Thanks for downloading this podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The world's longest running motorsport magazine show, Midweek Motorsport. News, features, special guests and analysis from the experts. Formula One, sports car and endurance racing, rallying, touring cars and bikes. If it has wheels and an engine and they keep score, it's on Midweek Motorsport. everybody and welcome along to our second live show of this week. It's just after 8 o'clock in the UK. It's Midweek Motorsport. I'm John Hindhoff uh, and this is Series 10. Uh, just uh, hearing Tim uh, clearing his voice down the line. We'll get to him uh, in a moment. Uh, this is uh, Series 10, Episode 11. If you're wondering where Episode 10 went, that was our Formula 1 preview, which was a bonus programme. Uh, last night and we've got a big Wednesday for you tonight because at 10 o'clock this evening a special bonus program uh, which we recorded over the weekend down in the south of Spain Uh, and that's uh, with a lot of Aston Martin content in that and um, uh, perhaps something that um, might be new to you as well. I won't say any more than that at the moment. Uh, up in London is our executive producer, Tim Gray. Good evening, Tim. Good evening, John. And a voice perfectly cleared now that the listeners can hear you as well. You scared the living whatnots out of me coughing down the You were night. just using that as an excuse uh, because you couldn't remember which episode number it was. Oh, you put me off and it takes quite a lot. Um, we have some housekeeping to do, Mr Greer. We do. So before we even ask you what uh, will be on the pack programme tonight I think we need to do the housekeeping because we never paid off from two weeks ago where's Tim? Yes to which the can you remember what the clues were? Uh, clue one was uh, the Cabana boys looked nothing like Johnny Palmer clue two uh, although there are cats was. here they all have tails that was clue tails. three no clue three was and you were getting a lot of um, IHG reward complaints Ah, uh, that was clue two, yes. Yeah, okay. So, yes, clue three was the one about uh, cats. Uh, not being an island and the cats having tails. Okay. Um, a few people guessed none of them got anything nearly right. You were being very times cross crossword cryptic. I, I don't think it was that uh, cryptic. Um, just some of the uh, guesses that uh, people mentioned. Uh, Alfred Wallace said South Africa. No. Uh, Adrian Michael Reese said Barry Island, because obviously no, but that's I like not it. an island. Uh, and Nick Holland thought I was in the Crown Plaza at Heathrow. No. Uh, I also had guesses of uh, Fukushima, because <laughs> you uh, commented on my lovely tan. Yes, good point. Um, uh, and I think we mentioned all the other guesses on the show two weeks ago. You were, in fact, where? Oman. Not the Isle Oman, just Oman. <laughs> Hey, and that was the whole point. Hello to Andrew Dolan, uh, representing the Sandys tonight from South Shields. Uh, Rob Jane is listening in live, and uh, uh, also Sarah Rigby, 
Richard Leach, all listening live. Alexander Organ has sent us a note to say that he can't. Uh, he's uh, quaffing lovely wine in Paris this week, but thinking about us and uh, tweeted in at the start of the programme. Uh, in I think that's something that we should do on a regular basis now. Have people tweet quaff wine? Well, yes, not not for me at the moment. <coughs> um, the uh, I think we should have people's apologies for absences. Like in the minutes of a meeting. Yes, absolutely. So, and we'll we'll read out if you've got a good excuse to be missing midweek motorsport uh, this week, then um, get it in now. But of course, you're not hearing me saying this. So, from next week onwards, uh, Shea Adam and Jim Roller aren't listening. They're playing with helicopters and variously uh, fast continental tyre shod cars out in uh, Texas at the moment and learning how to two-step in their lovely new continental tyre. Cowboy and Cowgirl Boots. Uh, You'll hear all about that uh, in a couple of weeks' time on IMSA Radio. Uh, On a packed programme tonight, we have what, Tim? Uh, Well, not all the usual features. Uh, We'll be giving uh, you some advice this week. Oh, really? Excellent. Uh, We will have some sports car news with Marshall Pruitt uh, from America. Uh, we'll be doing some uh, pre-prep level arithmetic. Excellent. Uh, but I believe we're not going to be doing Eastern European politics. Uh, there may be a spot for that later, but it, uh, that possibly may have to develop a bit more, that story. Uh, we also have our Formula One correspondent and fellow beard wearer. Uh, beard wearer? Yeah. Mm. Uh, beardist? No, Beardy. you do wear a beard. I think you wear a beard. It's a beard. Uh, and that's Nick Some Damon, people marry a beard. Uh, moving on, the uh, and that's Nick Damon. And before we get into the bulk of the show tonight, we will continue with bringing back uh, features that you may or may not have liked in the past. With <laughs> the where's Tim has become where's Nick. Hooray! So your first clue for where was Nick? Uh, I went to a place which I have been to many times before mm-hmm. for a similar thing on different subjects. I've been to see many different subjects of a similar thing at this place. But not for the subject that you went to see exactly. this time. Right, OK. I think I think I followed that. <laughs> uh, that was Nick uh, at the weekend. Where was Nick at the weekend? All right, uh, packed programme tonight. and We've already taken up too much in the housekeeping and getting started. Good evening if you are just jo- joining us. It's Midweek Motorsport, Season 10, Episode 11, and here's the news headlines. <laughs> All the latest motorsport news from around the world. Midweek Motorsport. Where are you going to start this week then, Tim? Papers being shuffled in the background there. Imagine, John, and Nick as well if you... (laughs) Imagine a world. Imagine a world. Imagine that you live in the Northern Hemisphere where it's currently winter. We do. You don't don't have to imagine that. that. Okay, so imagine that during the winter... You actually went to hot places. Oh, no, you don't have to imagine no, that either. I don't either, have to imagine that either. So far, you've been to uh, Bathurst, Daytona, Dubai, Dubai and Monte Blanco. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nick's been to fewer hot places. but he, I mean, some hot places, but not many. He went to Dubai right. and Goa and uh, anywhere else. Not as hot, no. No. Mm-hmm. Um, so, suggest some things you might do to uh, cool down if you were in a hot place. Have Drink a tea. shower. Cup of tea. Drink, yes. drink hot tea. Tricks mm. the hypothalamus into thinking. What, what uh, if? What if you were uh, driving at the time and uh, couldn't uh, turn on the air tea? conditioning? What if you had no air conditioning because open your a window car had been uh, had that bit removed uh, to save weight and also I the windows didn't open. 
Cut the roof off. Some ventilation. A big you cut tube. the roof off while you were driving. Um, well, maybe a cabriolet. Kick out the windows. Unfasten, unfasten clothing. I think you'd need that. Uh, the scrutineers wouldn't uh, like you to take your three-layer Nomex off while you were driving. Uh, throw water over yourself before you got into the car. Might work. How about take a dip in the lake? Well, you could do that. That's an interesting idea. It's the idea that uh, Tanak had uh, in Rally Mexico on Friday. Well, in in fairness, that might have been the end product. I don't think it was his idea, given that the suspension was broken 200 metres further back up the road. Mm. But I did, I did love the fact that his uh, co-driver did think for a moment about saving his road book. Yes. Before bailing out of the fiesta. And, <laughs> and that night tweeted a picture of him on his hotel room floor with all the pages laid out and him with a hairdryer. Oh, he did not. I did like the also uh, M Sport. It was an M Sport car, wasn't it? Yes. Um, I did like the headline in their tweet and press release about the car coming back under Super Mario rules, uh, which was raising the. Tan, Tanactic, Titanic, oh, if you see good. what I mean, um, which I thought was very good, very, very good, uh, and they had a picture, and the car did in fact finish, and what did they wear on the podium? As Frogman they outfits. They did in fact wear snorkels. Are they still called Frogmen? That's a very kind of uh, 1950s sort of definition. Frog women? Frog people. Frog, frog persons. No, the frog people were, so the frog people were enemies in the stigma. Uh, <laughs> it, it, they wore a uh, diving mask and snorkels uh, and uh, very frightening, very good fan footage of the car going off and very frightening onboard footage of just how a Ford Fiesta doesn't float. No. Particularly with the doors I, open. I don't believe it's supposed to float. It's not, it's no, not no. exactly failed its test for the end cap by not floating. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was an extreme way of cooling them down. As we say, they did complete the rally and had a bit of a sense of humour fairly about it. Um, I, I've got to say, it evoked memories of, of um, I think it was, when did that happen? Friday, was it? Uh, yes. Yes, I, when I first saw that, I immediately went onto the web to show people how to fall down a cliff into a lake properly, as done by Louise Aiken Walker in a Vauxhall Astra many years ago. Is that a top car falling down cliff then, is it? It was uh, about four or five times maybe more the height before it went into the water right. and both her and her co-driver also uh, got out of that very scary moments thank goodness for quick release belts I it think. was very much low tide uh, when louise did it <laughs> it still went under it yes it really did uh so that was a bit of a that was a bit of an extreme way of cooling down uh who won the rally does it really matter no, absolutely not. Sebastian Lowe. Actually, if you don't know, you can check out on uh, Mobile One The Grid this week, which is uh, back this week. Uh, and uh, particularly for those of you in the US, check your local listings, because I believe there's been a change of carrier uh, in the States. I'll have to get more details of that for you, but check your local listings for details. It's a Mobile One The Grid week this week. Sebastian Ogier. Correct. Is a great answer. Correct, yes. Is it? Didn't it? Yeah. To what question, though? Everything. Oh, I don't know about that. Mm. Uh, oh, he's stopped now. I'm just Moving reading on. what Graham Goodwin's saying. Sorry. You just stalled. You stalled. I did stall. Uh, so, I mentioned earlier on that we'd be doing some pre-prep level arithmetic. Fantastic. Go for it. What's two divided by four? Half. John? 
2 divided by 4. Mm-hmm. 2 divided by 4. A lawsuit is what that is. The answer I was looking for is Salby, yes. Yes. Say, I'm, not, I'm getting... No, I, knew what, I knew what he's on about. I was just giving... He said it was pre-prep maths, and I was giving, going for it with the math side of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we now have... Uh, uh, we now have uh, a result in uh, the lawsuit... Uh, which is that an Australian judge has ordered Sauber to let Guido van der Garde drive uh, in this weekend's uh, Australian Grand Prix. And they appealed. And they've appealed, and so we'll know the results yet. of that appeal in uh, about 134 minutes' time. Oh, to start the show, off the... That's very late in Australia. Uh, or no. Or very early in Australia? It's uh, half past nine in the morning. Ah, That's sort I of see. when courts open for business. Right, I think. Well, that's, yeah. I mean, basically, I mean, I think, you know, the, the, what's happening is Guido van der Gaard, the Dutchman, who had some money uh, and had a contract with Sauber, was thought he was going to be driving with Soft Hands Adrian Sutel, who also had a contract with Sauber this year. And then Sauber really ran out of money. Uh, and they looked around for someone who could give them cash straight away. And they found Marcus Ericsson. They said, Marcus, thank you for the lovely cash straight away. And at that point, they hadn't really said who they were going to drop. And they had the other two hanging on. Uh, and then they did something really weird, which they fl- signed Brazilian Felipe Nazir, thanks to his massive amount of Banco de Brazil money, and said, we don't want uh, Guido's money more because it's not as much, and we don't want Adrian's money because it's nothing like as much, so you two can go away because we've got two new rich drivers who are richer than you were, or in um, Marcus Ericsson's case, are prepared to pay significantly earlier than you are. And off you go, ha, 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 because uh, everyone knows F1 contracts aren't worth the paper they're written on. Unfortunately, but it turns out that he was. <laughs> yes, unfortunately, <laughs> uh, whilst Adrian Sutil did, did the decent thing of just suing them locally and asking for money, um, did we have Vandergaard that said, uh, no, he actually, sued them I, everywhere. I'd like to drive, please. Um, mainly because if he doesn't drive, he'll disappear from view and, and run out of super license points, probably. Yeah. Um, and he said, I want to drive, I want to drive, and I'm going to sue you. And so I said, no, it will be dangerous. You can't get in the car. We can't make a car fit you. It's impossible to, to get a, a car. We haven't got a seat. We haven't got a seat for a car we'll, for you. <laughs> we'll never find some expanding foam in, 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 in a paddock in Australia. It takes far too long to be yeah, a seat. There's no idea what's going on, even though he did testing what is basically the same car last year. No, 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 no. And the judgment, no, he's got a contract. says so he can drive. He's guaranteed to drive. And now, uh, Sauber have uh, made a massive cock-up because they now have to work out which of their other two drivers, who've probably also got contracts say they're allowed, they've got to drive, they're going to sack off. And therefore, at that point, they're going to have to give them their money back. And it's money they haven't got. And it's basically uh, a mess. I'd like to take you back in time to uh, the start of a female impersonator who sang share songs. Yes. Mm. Didn't go out much. Um, <laughs> was she always working? No, no. No. I'm not sure she was a woman. Right. No, she, no, that was that. Uh, I checked that part. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> I did see a female impersonator, and you did. No, oh, she's a female, and she impersonated. She wasn't a female impersonator. Giorgio Pantano. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Had a contract to race in Formula Three Thousand for Supernova. Go downhill from here. Right. Really. Uh, so did Sebastian Bourdais. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then David Sears decided to put Tiago Montero in the car because Tiago Montero uh, had lots of Portuguese money. Right. 
I'm sure David Sears could solve that problem. So, Giorgio Plantano... Is Portuguese money still euros, like everybody else's money in Europe? I'm not sure yes. it was in 2002, was it? Um, had they joined the euro? Yes, then? they had done, yeah, yeah. yeah they, hadn't, they, hadn't, they, hadn't, they were enjoying all the money the euro was given before they tried to bankrupt the whole thing. That's right. Uh... Were, you are you are in a punchy mood tonight, Damon, aren't they, they were you? Thinking are you, are you about trying where for Jeremy Clarkson's uh, job and upset everybody in Europe? I think so. Okay. They were thinking about where they could uh, build a circuit uh, financed entirely by the European Union. They built a lot of bridges, that, I know that. No one would use. Uh, so, uh, Giorgio sued and won and still mm. never got to drive. Uh, but he ended up in Formula One, uh, but yes. didn't last very long. No. And Sebastian Bourdais uh, ended up in Formula 1 and didn't last very long. Not, no. And Choco Montero ended up in Formula 1 and also didn't last very long. So, so is there a moral to this story? It's just, or it's not just really. It doesn't really make any difference whether whether you sue or not because would that, would that, uh, you're not really going to have a long Formula 1 career. Would that actually be down as a pretty pointless anecdote? It's something I've remembered. No, it's fair, and we and we do love your reminiscences down Formula 3000 Lane. It's, it's and marvelous. have you seen this month's edition of Motorsport magazine? Is it about Formula 3000? They've got a massive feature on the whole history of Formula 3000, written I'm by a man who only missed two races ever. Simon Aaron. Is correct. He should have tried harder. Uh, one of them, uh, he was at his brother's wedding, I think. Yeah, right, that's an excuse, is it? Well, a terrible excuse, yes. Um, so anyway, so, so the question really is, is uh, will, they, will Guido get to drive? Because he obviously doesn't want the money, he wants the drive. Yes. He doesn't Well, he doesn't as somebody's want the just said here. Sure. Um, if he got no. the money back, then he could take it to uh, I'm sure he's got Manor. the money back. Well, I'm Anthony, sure he's got the money stolen from him. Anthony says, uh, for me, uh, he is doing it out of spite. Uh, the Even if he does race for Sauber, it's their car, surely they don't have to actually start the engine. Well, quite good. Um, how, says right turn lover, can you sue for money if the deal was I pay you for being allowed to work for you? Well, he's paid for a service and he's not getting the service. I think that's the exactly. answer to that. Um, and every race car anywhere in the world has a... Uh, unless you And don't forget, uh, as we've explained before, John, he could actually sue for loss of earnings because don't forget, he gets a cut of that sponsorship. Oh, he may, it, that may have been just the bit that he handed over to them mm. to get him into the seat. He may have had other contracts contingent on him being in the car exactly. that he had signed for his personal mm. uh, personal wages. So, so mm. that's that's why. I mean, it's interesting you say a paid driver suing to get in the car, but the fact is that if they say they pay ten million dollars, they may well be put trousering two or three million themselves through the the the, uh, the percentages they could take of the personal sponsorship deals. And obviously the money they get from it would be a profile of the event. So I think we... And of course the uh, super licence points are very important because uh, it's uh, been, or by the end of this season, it'll be three years since he wrote in GP2. So uh, his points are diminishing rapidly. Yeah, I think it's uh, we pointed this out as being a, a mess back in what was it uh, late October or November when it came to light, and uh, no change there. And it will play out over the next two days, and should be quite amusing to see. Uh, Adrian Sutil, what's he going to do uh, after the appeal uh, has been announced uh, in a play couple of hours' time? He's no, he's not. Go he's, drinking. He's uh, he might sue as well. Still trying to buy him LMP one seat. He's failed there. He, he might sue as well. Really? Oh, yes. It's working out well, isn't it? So, really? uh, so it could be that Marcus and uh, Philippe uh, are both uh, standing at the back of the Driverless. garage on Sunday. Hmm. 
Is Adrian even in Australia? Who knows? Uh, is he allowed to go to Australia? Do we think, guys? I know. Listen, I know. I'm I'm sounding a bit old-fashioned now, but um, isn't this just a tad unsavoury, Nick? All of it. Yes. Sauber made Sauber. If Sauber signed the two drivers in good faith, um, certainly a team like Sauber, you wouldn't expect to go back on it. They have had tremendous financial issues. And as they said in their statement, they had to do it for the, the, the benefit of the 323 employees. And the fact that uh, Ericsson could provide the cash earlier was the reason they did it. Now, uh, the, what, what do you say? It, 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 the fact is, they have obviously broken contract law. Mm-hmm. So, And uh, we did discuss this a little bit in last night's uh, extra Formula One show, which... Uh, is if you haven't heard it, you probably shouldn't be listening to tonight's show. You think not? I think you might miss some of the... Uh... Nuances. Yeah. When are we replaying that, Tim? We've got live coverage of the uh, Kravantic uh, 12 hours this weekend from Mugello. We have. So will, will, we play, will we replay it on Friday uh, before and after the Mugello coverage? Uh, it will be uh, on again later tonight okay. as well. Can you... Can you do me a favour and uh, uh, just let me know when that is before the end of the show? So that yes, it'll be after uh, after your adventures in uh, southern Spain. In Spain, right, OK. And it will be up as a it's podcast. It's already up as a podcast, remember. Excellent. I suppose there's no chance of doing a driver change halfway through the race, is there? It's not Formula E, you know. That's true. Oh, no, no, they that don't change drivers, the they change cars. Uh, no, for, Formula E... Not, stop, stop, hang on. As we know, a very well-known motorsport commentator said... It's too difficult to change drivers in single-seaters. In fact, it's just not worth attempting it. There's just no point. There isn't. Remember? And don't forget that if you want to take part in Formula E, the Dublin race is the best one just for today. Just for today, Formula E in Dublin is absolutely fine. Okay. You don't want to talk about it, do you? What is it? Uh, the Irish government um, had made a, a mistake and they've had to repeal all their drugs law for 24 hours. Really? At the moment, you, you can have any drug you like in Dublin until they've got the new law in. <laughs> oh, I see. I see what you were doing. That That's very clever. Sweet before uh, all right. St. Patrick's Day as well. Uh, you're listening to Midweek Motorsport just after 20 minutes past 18 in the UK. Hello to everyone in the States. Hope you remembered about the time change. As for the If last... not, you won't be hearing us. <laughs> or uh, you've been twiddling your thumbs for an hour. Which one is it? Uh, they've been twiddling their thumbs oh, for an I hour. Get me a brown this. Yeah, I bet they enjoyed the second half of last week's show, though. Yes, a lot of a lot of people tuned in and went, "I've missed the first hour." <laughs> no, no, we haven't started yet. Um, yes, for the last few years, uh, quite a few years now, um, you've you've gone early um, with the daylight savings time, and uh, it'll be for the next uh, three weeks. So that will include our coverage of Sebring as well, only four hours uh, behind uh, Greenwich Mean Time. Uh, as it stands at the moment. All right, let's move on to another story. Let's. Uh... Publicum. You're guessing good at this. Yeah. We've heard it a lot, rather. Mm-hmm. Uh, this must mean we're going to talk about the fantastic facility that is the Circuit of Wales. It is, because today's uh, March the 11th. And you know what that means? Uh, that means that it's they the... started it's the public inquiry. Day one of the public inquiry. Now, this public inquiry is to ascertain what then, Tim? Uh, they do it or not? Basically, it's to uh, decide whether or not to uh, say yes or no 
to Circuit of Wales's request to deregister about 250 hectares of common land uh, in the uh, Blaenau Gwent region uh, near to... Um, I Wales. can't remember where the town is now. I can't where was that place I went? While you, you don't know, you were there. Petit Le Mans. The oh, when you, went, when you went for the Cordex. Yes. I've got. I can't remember. Um, <laughs> the uh, I can't help thinking that there must be brownfield sites of plenty in Wales that would have been better than an area of extreme natural beauty or whatever it is that they want to, or even this common land that, that, that they want. Believe to me, it's not extreme natural beauty. It's some fields. Well, that's day. It's beautiful. It's beneath about the corner ground. That, that's Thief. where the. Um, that's where the. Inquiries being held. The thing uh, is, though, of course, building on brownfields industrial sites worked really well with other racing tracks, hasn't it? Valencia. <laughs> is it? No, in Eb- I was thinking about the UK. Is it in Ebervale by any chance? Ebervale is what I was thinking of. Yeah. Thank you to rotation. Uh, Let, if we're really, really honest about this, and we say it from day one, there is no way this should get through. No, absolutely not. But who knows? Well, there's all, already, hasn't there, been a, an inordinately large amount of public money that um, Welsh government has already spent on this, which is actually a disgrace, even before we started. I love motorsport. Motorsport is too niche to be spent by governments, in the Western world, mm. certainly. You know, I'm not saying that it won't work, but I was at Monte Blanco circuit at the weekend, which was built, it's an F1T circuit, and it was built and completed just as with EU money was it, which is which is the one which was built by the multi-millionaire is that Monteblanco built yes. by the, the, no um, that's the one in the north no no that, that's because there are so many tracks now knocking about in Spain which were all built about 10 years ago anyway it was Sorry. built to do Formula 1 testing and of course uh, just as it was completed Formula 1 testing um, fizzled out and wasn't allowed however they've got a a different climate, one might suggest, to Abbeville. Is it pleasant? It was never below 20 degrees uh, <laughs> between raining. the hours of 8 o'clock in the morning and uh, 8, in fact, 10 o'clock uh, on Saturday night they ran through to. They've got 26 different circuit configurations. They have sprinklers on the infield to simulate uh, rain. Possibly not such a, an issue in Ebbeville, in fairness. They need a big umbrella to simulate mm. dry. Um, and there's a plethora of very nice uh, and relatively cheap hotels near to, and it's easily reached via Seville or Faro airports um, from the most parts of Europe. So it gets busy. There were bikes there on Friday when I arrived. There were bikes setting up on Sunday as Aston Martin were packing up. And they were there all day Monday. Hello to John McGuinness, who was there uh, testing. And they seem, it's, it's very well serviced with food and catering and etc. There's no hassle about getting in and out. It was very good, straight off the side of a major motorway. It's a bit like a, a, a smaller, not quite as well-kept version of Paul Ricard, actually, okay. um, in, in that respect. And I just think to myself... You know, that doesn't get that many races, although it's a grade two racetrack. And a, um... Does it get any races? I can't yeah, think of any international series that goes there. Radicals have raced there. Um, Masters series have raced there. And there's a few local series and a lo- few local motorbikes uh, that have raced there as well. But that that's my point exactly. They're, you know, they're making a go of it without necessarily getting any 
racing series there. I, I, I just, I'm not sure that the UK needs a, another racetrack, really, anywhere. Uh, I, if they're going to spend a large amount of money, they can spend the money on upgrading some of the ones they've got. Yes, fair point. Fair they're going to build a, uh, a cart circuit on the site as well. Lovely. Which uh, looks like a really nice layout. But you haven't got the... You need to have... A massive long straight like Fuji. You're not really in the right place, are you? Mm. Uh, Alfred Wallace at Cadpig, uh, who uh, has just tweeted in at Tim, says, The whole subject is embarrassing. There are more and better things to do with money in Wales than motorsport. I wouldn't disagree with that. Um, moving on. How long do we think this is going to... How much, first of all, how much is the public inquiry costing and how long do we think it's going to last? Well, we know how long it's going to last. It's going to last 10 days because that's uh, all it's allowed to last. Oh, OK. So right. it will end on uh, March the 20th. Excellent. So we'll be able to report on them. When do we expect the findings? Well, that's a different issue. Um, well, where they've written up... The way I'd we're, imagine we're, we're, there will be, be uh, some preliminary uh, findings uh, released quite quickly... Um, and then uh, later on, uh, the government, uh, sorry, the uh, Welsh Assembly, the uh, inspector who is uh, mm. uh, overseeing the inquiry, has to uh, make a recommendation to the government. Right. Okay. Well, we'll keep across that. Can uh, we have? And that's likely to be. Reporter? That's likely to be in June. Excellent. So we'll get our South Wales uh, political correspondent um, uh, statement and I'm prepared there for that. To, I'm prepared to predict today, uh, on the uh, was it the 11th of March day, mm-hmm. I'm prepared to predict that um, there will never be a MotoGP at the Circuit of Wales. Really? Never? Never. Okay. What's your prediction as to whether the inspector will give the go-ahead or not to oh, deregister this land? There might be a go-ahead given, but they still haven't built the circuit yet. They haven't. They've made some lovely models, though. Oh, well, that's but the thing. In fact, yeah, the, if you have a model, then it's basically the same as having built a circuit. They're very similar. It is. Um, I think you might want to ask Nick Worth that. <laughs> 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 oh, ho, oh, oh. ho. Ooh, several stories together. Yeah, but, that has got so much depth in it. <laughs> but uh, Nick Worth's found a friend, hasn't he? Has he? Has he? Yes. Uh, oh, yes, he in has, in Christian, Christian Horner. Horner. Yes, he has. Good who, who point, Who thinks Tim. that we shouldn't be using wind tunnels in Formula 1. He wants to save money by not using wind tunnels. Really? Apparently so. Do Red Bull not have a wind tunnel? Yeah, but they, they decide... They have more than one. Probably what they decide now. He's, uh, we, can, we can build a better car out of the box than anyone else. So let's, let's stop the, de- the, the development from that point onwards. Mm. We have an aerodynamicist who doesn't need a wind tunnel. But when, he's, when he's focused. Um, yeah, okay. I think... Uh, I... <sighs> I think everything that Christian Horner should come with a translation because it's always none of it's ever helpful it's all said to uh, to forward his own cause or the cause of Red Bull uh, Richard Leach has just said the government inspector will use the trusted uh, rock paper scissors uh, judgement method for the circuit of Wales apparently uh, seems reasonable uh, the right. Version, which is sheep, coal, and male voice choir. Uh, <laughs> Sam Collins suggests we should ban wind tunnels and ban CFD and go back to drawing with uh, t- pencils, three pencils. HB pencils. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but then you know what happens? Someone will design, design a sharper pencil, and we'll be in a spiral of pencil development. It'll be a right. nightmare. That's right. And, you, and, you, and the, the person with the biggest ears will put them behind. We'll get the jobs, and it'll be just right. Yeah, not at all. Uh, not at and all. Sam, 
Sam Collins was part of our discussion on the preview show for Formula One, by the way. If you haven't listened to it yet, Sam Collins from Racecar Engineering. And a uh, chance to have him on the show was fantastic. And we'll uh, try and find some room for him later on. What you will find well. is uh, a lot of uh, people honing their tracing skills. So. Uh, very good point. So basically, from now on, you won't need to have a degree from uh, in aeronautics from Southampton University. You need, to have, you need to have done a brass rubbing course at Canterbury Cathedral. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Who doesn't think they should uh, that uh, the rules should be changed? Everybody. Everybody else. Uh, Renault mostly. Renault. Which Why? is odd, Rick, is it, because they're obviously completely insane. Because the one thing they desperately need now is the rules change completely, give them a chance to start again. No, no, they're just going to say exactly the opposite of what Christian Horner said because they're cheesed off with him always blaming their engine for everything oh there's, a, there's, a, there's an interesting dynamic going on there that's for sure mm. I don't think they're on each other's Christmas card list anymore no indeed not moving on Tim uh, we uh, heard uh, uh, earlier in the year a little bit about Haas uh, having bought uh, the former Moosia factory one of them yes one of them, the one that Moose, uh, that Manor isn't using. Uh, well, now they've uh, employed bought, people, bought some people as well. They've got bought a, some people. Bought, what, they're, what they're trading? It's it's trafficking now. It's it's people trafficking. Well, it's not far it? off actually. But they've bought a team manager called Dave O'Neill, who was previously at Marussia. They've bought a chief aerodynamicist called Ben Agathan. He's been everywhere, been everywhere because I can't pronounce his name. Him and Peter from Mujudu have been a nightmare for years. Uh, I think most I think should, recently I'm I think we should ban Mama. all Greeks aerodynamics not for any other reason than names are really hard to pronounce okay fine uh, they've uh, if you had no CFD or wind tunnels they wouldn't have a job so you wouldn't have to remember who they were exactly very good point there mm. but then they're probably finding really good pencils as well uh, good point they've got a Rob Taylor that they no, acquired from uh, Red Bull right and uh, they've he's their chief game. designer and they've got mm. Ferrari's car, which they're already working on, because they've already said that they're going to use this year's Ferrari next year. And now, and they're going to put it in the wind tunnel to develop their own car. And everyone's going, hang on a minute, you're developing your car in the Ferrari wind tunnel, which is Ferrari's car this year. Hang on, does that mean you're getting around the jurisdictional wind tunnel for Ferrari? Oh, oh yes. well worked out, everyone, because Ferrari mm. are really altruistic, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> yes, but don't forget, Ferrari took a long time to get their wind tunnel to actually work, and for a long time, we're running two wind tunnel projects. At, one that worked Cologne. in Cologne, and one well, that didn't work in Marinello. In two uh, tunnels in Cologne. Well, the, the Cologne is book solid now, isn't it? A right. Haas spokesman <laughs> said, this time next year our cars will already have been tested. Yes, because they're getting 20 races to test all throughout this year. It's <laughs> quite a good idea, actually. With Kimi, Kimi Raikkonen and Sebastian Vettel behind the wheel. And, and, listen, and they're guys, double aero time. Stop, stop, guys. We can't complain. Right. What I'm are not we complaining. Wait a minute. Let me finish the sentence. We can't complain because we're the ones who always say we want more diversity in Formula One. So using year old chassis, two year old chassis, or 22 year old chassis. Okay. Uh, that's not a good idea. Really? No. Okay. I'm not sure if a car from 1993 would really be up, up to speed. Yeah, but the thing is that Fernando Alonso would recognise it, which is more that's than he's true. doing with these current cars. Oh, I had the active suspension. Fantastic. I, oh. I drove this two years ago, he's going to say. Can we bring um, back uh, Ricardo Patrese so he can uh, roll it? Uh, through the air, somersault through the air. Actually, Esterville. in fairness, the 1993 car was the most advanced car for its time ever. So the 1993 car was so, was way more advanced than the general motoring. Yes. Than the cars in now are. Conceptual terms. Yeah, with okay. active suspension and everything else it had, it had at that point. I, I I like the idea of people being effectively satellite teams using last year's car. I like it for 
so many different when reasons. When did we talk about this? Years ago, wasn't it? Yeah. We it was going to happen. Yeah. Uh, and there was a general degree of consensus between all of us. We've got one AMB team already, mm-hmm. but they, they but it doesn't work financially because they have to design mostly their own car. Well, they do now. They didn't used to, of course. Yeah, but um, anyway, that's all as may be. Uh, let's uh, let's move on. Uh, just is it just after half? Oh no, it's twenty-five it is, to nine. It's twenty-five. Do we have to get Grim Goodwin up? It's twenty-five to nine. <laughs> to start that, which means we're going to <laughs> we're going to uh, move on to sports car news. So we should oh, really introduce. Uh, Graham Goodwin, who is not in his shed tonight. Uh, Graham Goodwin is the editor of DailySportsCar.com. Uh, he's and not at GGHQ or S.H.E.D.E. Is he not? D. No, no, he's not. He's, is he, is is he, he at a secret tomorrow? location or is he... No, no, I think, he's, I think it's all right to say that he's in the south of France at the Blancpain test, aren't you, Graham? Hello there. Hello. Oh, he's scrambling for his headset. I can hear it now. Hello, Graham Goodwin. Yeah, you can hear me. We can. Yes. So you're at the Blanc Pan test, is that right? Hello, Graham. Not sure what he's listening to, but I don't think it's us. Hello, I think I've actually got two things up. So bear with me, bear with me a second. <laughs> now oh, he's showing off. Now just showing off. <laughs> Absolutely. Graham is uh, on a very busy schedule this week because he only arrived back from the Circuit of the Americas earlier Bear with week. me a second, gentlemen. Uh, I appear to have uh, oh, something else. Oh, there we go. That's the problem. Can you hear me now, <laughs> gentlemen? Yes, we can. We've, 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 <laughs> we've heard you work it all out. It's marvellous. Um, it. yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting in what can only be described as not a five-star hotel in uh, the, the, the charming little not a village in Orbania, and it's certainly not a shed. Okay. Uh, you've had a busy week, soon, haven't you? Uh, first oh, of all, God, yes. let's, uh, before we talk about where you are now, let's uh, talk a little bit about the Circuit of the Americas and the opening round of Pirelli World Challenge at the weekend. Uh-huh. Some great racing. Um, uh-huh. Pretty decent coverage on the web with some streaming video. A, a smart bit of race logistics to get the race started before the, the rain came. Um, sadly, nobody there to see it. Uh, no, uh, I'm afraid. Uh, shame on you, Circuit of the Americas, for claiming 30,000 people were there. Uh, was told the day before the race that 3,000 tickets had been sold. And bearing in mind the torrential rain that we had through Sunday, it's hardly likely to have been boosted tenfold by people walking up to uh, the place. I counted the people in the stand uh, at uh, during, I think, the GTS final practice, and there were 60. Uh, now, 30,000, sorry guys, that's a disgraceful lie, uh, and it needs to stop. What we got, John... No, Graham, in fairness, in fairness, what you didn't see there, for obvious reasons, was that there was a massive contingent there from uh, uh, from a very important conference that was in town at Austin uh, at, at that time, uh, and that was the National Camouflage Society. <laughs> in which case, there's an awful lot of people who do a really good job of camouflaging themselves as flip-up seats. Yep. Uh, but if I think you the, were... the reality is... Sorry, sorry. If if you were a member of the National Camouflage Society, though, sh- surely you would um, be good enough that you wouldn't need to buy a ticket because you could just walk through the turnstile without yeah. one. Oh yeah, but I'm yes, but that would, that would that I'm not convinced. That, that would be uh, that would be deceitful. I know. That would be terrible. This, well, this the good the news is the uh, the American tax authorities can uh, look forward to getting their. Uh, 12% of uh, 30,000 30, uh, ticket sales, sales yes. Mm. Yeah, but yes the, rea- the reality is that, look, number one, you're right, John, we actually had very, very good racing, fantastic entry uh, for what was a standalone 
uh, World Challenge event. So with touring cars, the GTS cars, and the near 50 cars on the GT grid, mm. it was, I think, a sum total of 114 entries uh, for the weekend, uh, most of which actually did make it to, to through uh, each of the two races that they all got. And for me, uh, the, the better race was actually race two, uh, not least because of an absolutely astonishing race from Kevin Estray in the Capex uh, McLaren, uh, running away at the front of the field, and actually a very good field, included the likes of Olivier Beretta, who won Saturday's race, and Ryan DL. Uh, but at times it was up to five seconds a lap quicker than anybody, and at more or less every point was two seconds quicker than every point on the same tyres. Uh, do we a, know that there were the same uh, we tyres? We do know there were the same tyres. I, the, okay. the, 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 I think what you're referring there to there, John, was an amusing bit of um, street theatre at uh, Austin Airport after the race where Hans Reiter, in very good humour, I have to say, uh, genuinely believed that, they, that the flying lizards who run the Capex operation uh, the McLaren operation had read the rules better and realised that uh, indeed rain tyres, as long as the Pirellis are free, and that he thought that the gap between Kevin and the rest might have been boosted by perhaps the, the guys doing something perfectly fair and bringing a different, better set of tyres with them. Uh, not the case. They bought the tyres out the circuit the same way that everybody else did, apparently, and uh, it was an exceptional rain run from Kevin uh, Estrell. I'm not surprised, though, because you and I have seen Kevin Estria in wet or, and or dry, a bit of intermediate or all three at the same time at the Nürburgring. And when he's in the mood, my goodness me, there's nobody better than him in a GT3 car, is there? Uh, no, and, uh, you know, he's going to get the opportunity to do plenty more of that. Uh, and indeed, he's not a million miles away from where I am. Uh, this evening and uh, had the pleasure of watching him uh, you, know, uh, you know, displaying his craft again uh, in a McLaren 650S uh, earlier today. So, you know, again, he's not a star in the making, he's a star. Great weekends racing. I have to say, John, crushingly disappointing on a number of the fronts. And what am I referring to? I'm afraid the panic ambiance reminded me really rather badly of what we uh, suffered at the beginning of the MSA season last last. Uh, last year. Anybody wants to know what I'm talking about, honestly, I, I prefer at this stage you read the piece I wrote on DSC I was... for 48 hours, because I'm not in the mood, frankly, to talk about the downsides of that championship at the moment. Um, no. you know, I, it's, it, it was a very long way to be treated extremely badly. Uh, and a question to Graham Goodwin from Tim Gray. Uh, well, the 30,000 uh, spectators claim wasn't the only faux pad by uh, Cota, was it? Oh, this is an interesting one because they've made an excuse on this one. This is the one about the what could easily have been pointless press release of the week, couldn't it? It could have been. Which was uh, that, uh, what was it, Ferraris, Lamborghinis and Chevrolet Corvettes take over the circuit of the Americas, if I remember right. That's right, yes. Yeah, the slight problem there being, number one, they didn't mention, uh, not only in the headline, but also in the body copy, uh, the McLaren that actually won the race... Neither did they mention Cadillac, which is the GM product that is the factory representative there, um, neither in the, uh, the uh, headline or in the body copy. Uh, the excuse I got back when I actually pointed out gently to them that they'd made that error was actually they were talking about the Chevrolet Corvette Corral in the headline, which is, ah. which is, which is interesting because it's not mentioned at all in the in body the rest copy. Of the, no. So uh, my guess is, I'm terribly sorry, uh, a bit of Pinocchio moment there uh, with the bird's nest on the end. And I think the, the, the reality is, 
it was just a blunder. And you know what? It happens. I've written press releases and stories before now that have had a minor to major error in them from time to time. And sometimes you just got to put your hands up and say, you know what? We're really sorry. That was a bit of a blunder. But uh, if you're going to list the makes that are going to be there, list them all. And don't, yeah. miss the race. Don't, don't miss the biggest team there. And don't miss the race winner. I right, wrote a press release once where uh, I wrote a quote from uh, someone which uh, obviously they should have said but hadn't and someone uh, phoned them up and uh, asked them about this quote and they had no idea what uh, they were talking about. Uh, right, let's crack on here uh, and uh, go through some more stories um, before we get to why Graham is in the south of uh, France. Um uh, let's talk about Nissan. A uh, couple of bits of Nissan news coming out over the last couple of days regarding the Nürburgring and uh, Blancpain. Yeah, in fact, um, the Nürburgring, we're going to get two Nissan GTR, Nismo GT3s back again to the Nürburgring uh, 24 hours, 2015 spec cars with, with a very tasty looking driver lineup, John. Mm. Yeah, uh, tell me. Uh, now you've caught me slightly. Oh, I'm, it's I'm all actually, right. No, no, no. That's time, fine. Time I've got it. up notes, but I think we've certainly got Yamaha aboard on the cars, haven't we? Um, uh, and Lucas Adonis is in there too. It's a, it's it's Ale- a mix. Yeah, it's Alex Buncombe, Jan Mardenborough and Florian Strauss in one car, and Lucas Ordonez, Michael Krum and uh, Kazuki Hishino uh, in the other. And that, as you say, is particularly uh, tidy. Uh, The other Nissan uh, news is that we've got another GT Academy winner, Gaetan Paletu, who I really like, and I do think we've found another little star there. Uh, joining Sanchez uh, for the two-car GT Academy Team RGN Blancpain entry. So continuing, Graham, to support their winners from the Academy um, well beyond the... Well, you're going to get a drive in a car in the 12 hours of Dubai, in the 24 hours of Dubai, and just really underlying the quality of uh, of drivers that they're getting. I know we say this a lot, but it's true, and they are investing in new talent. They are, and I think uh, it won't be the last driver uh, lineup announcement we get involving at least one of the drivers that uh, you've mentioned in that kind of preamble. I strongly suspect we're going to see. Uh, some announcements about uh, other big 24-hour races that might involve some of these guys mm. moving forward. It, it's very exciting. You know, we've got um, you know the Blancpain Endurance Series, which is indeed, by the way, the reason why I'm here, and the the official test days ahead of the Blancpain Endurance Series. And uh, Bob Bob and Liz Neville and the Team Argent GT Academy team uh, here with a pair of GTRs, not the pair they'll be campaigning all year, and. But they are here with most of that driving squad, and Gitan uh, Palatu and uh, Ricardo Sanchez uh, are indeed here and trying out one of the cars, as is Al Buncombe and Wolfgang Reap. Uh, Katsumasa's Gio and uh, Florian Strauss not here, but they complete, you know, what is a very good six man full season squad of what is looking like a very good grid indeed, with some spectacular pro crews coming together, not all of which I can talk about tonight, there's one or two things that will, I'm afraid, be held over for tomorrow but no. uh, certainly there will be somebody uh, that I can talk about making his GT uh, debut tomorrow for McLaren uh, And you, you, you allowed to talk about that now? Yep, I think so, well I'm about cool. to press, uh, press send on the story announcing uh, that uh, they will be there and, uh, and in the car tomorrow, because uh, it's going to be a two car 
all-pro effort from Von Ryan Racing. Mm-hmm. The team team are at uh, Paul Ricard uh, with support of McLaren GT because Von Ryan at the moment are elsewhere testing their British GT runners, and uh, the two drivers race uh, the two drivers running today were indeed the aforementioned Kevin Estre and Bruno Senna. Um, the uh, additional car will be raced uh, by. Uh, thank God, is Rob Bill in that car? Maybe, but the new name is Adrian Quaife Hobbs. Oh, really? Oh, good yes, for him. Is. Well done, uh, AQH. That's very good news for him indeed. So again, uh, you know, a man playing his trade in single seaters at the almost the highest level. And I think I'm right. Uh, Tim would probably correct me on this one. I think Adrian has won races in GP3 and in GP2. Uh, that Certainly that, in GP3. I'm not sure. I think he GP2. did win. A, I think he did win at least one GP2 race, but I'm a bit happy to be corrected. But you know, there's a man who should have had F1 on his radar and has clearly decided to read the the story I did on the trade on the way up to Ginetta two weeks ago and see that a factory supported uh, GT program is probably at the moment the best wins for LMP1. Um, not just new drivers, but new cars. You had a chance to see. Uh, for the first time in in public at a racetrack, at least, the 2015 Audi R8 LMS. The new Huracan has been there. The 15-spec GTR Nissan, the 650S you mentioned, and a Ginetta G55 GT3. Yeah. They were all there for balance of performance, weren't they? They, they were all there for balance of performance. Um, another, I have to say, second time this week I've been angry. And I've been angry because we were told specifically we couldn't go into the balance performance test yesterday, only for the organisers to deem it necessary to actually invite an individual French journalist to do exactly that. Uh, frankly, Indeed. that's just rude. Uh, so I was sitting here 20 minutes down the road uh, because the way the flights worked and we weren't allowed in, someone else was. Hey ho. The other uh, new car that is here, or rather revised car that is here, is the latest of Hans Reiter's. Uh, 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 evolutions on the Lamborghini Gallardo, and it will be the last one on the Lamborghini Gallardo theme, the REX Extenso, um, which is a fabulous-looking beast. We've had Peter Cox uh, uh, taking that car around all day with Thomas Enger and another writer product, uh, an upgraded Serena Camaro. And always, the, the day's always a good day when you get to chat with Peter Cox and Thomas Enger, isn't it? Agreed. 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 Uh... Peter Cox's name came up at the, at the weekend, actually, about various uh, bits and pieces with one of the young men that I was talking to at the weekend. I do think the new Audi, lots of criticism about the streetcar that uh, it doesn't look different enough from the old Audi R8. Well, the race car looks very different, and in the all-white, gloss, shiny colours that it was presented uh, down with you, it has the look of an Imperial Stormtrooper about it. Absolutely it, it magnificent stuff. It is a fantastic-looking car, John. It's a fantastic-looking car. It, I think it takes the game. The, the main reason that car is taking the game on and, and what uh, certainly was uh, being commented on by a number of the teams that I spoke to about the car, because, uh, of course, there's a great deal of interest in what has been you know, it's the successor to the numerically most dominant car in GT3, over 130 Audi R8 LMS is complete, is that, is it 20,000-kilometer mar- 20, engine life, which takes the game forward very considerably, uh, in, in most regards. But um, there'll be a second McLaren team. I can tell you that as well, uh, that the attempt to a racing team, I think we've seen them racing in Dubai, amongst others, and a team with great success in single make uh, Porsche racing. Uh, uh, we're there with two Porsches, but we'll not be campaigning those cars in the Blancpain Endurance Series. They'll be campaigning those in the new, it's the Club Sport Cup support race for all gentlemen drivers. 
but they will be obtaining a pair of new 650S GT3s, uh, GT3s as well, the first of which they get next week for a driver shootout at uh, Estoril, and the second of which will be uh, with them in time for the start of the season. So there'll be no shortage of new cars on the grid for Blancpain Endurance or indeed Blancpain Sprint. Hmm. Uh, and it's 56 cars for endurance, 21 full season entries for the sprint series. Uh, moving away from that, uh, a bit of British GT news. I can news. update uh, people very quickly on Adrian Crafob's uh, wins. He had one win in GP2, which was the uh, reverse grid sprint race at Monza in 2013. Uh, but lots of wins in uh, AutoGP, uh, a win in GP3, uh, a couple of wins in Formula 3, uh, and previously he did... Uh, Formula BMW UK, but didn't win a race there. But this uh, Lara, will, this will Lara, be his sorry his first uh, run in a GT car, I believe. And there is another driver uh, that will be making, well, indeed has made his first run in a, G, a GT car today that I'll be telling you about tomorrow. Okay. Uh, Lara Platman says, why do as a streetcar have to change each year anyway? If they like the design, why change it? I don't disagree at all uh, with that, Lara. Sorry, I, 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 that was other people uh, saying that. Um, let's move on to British GT. Uh, going Still going from strength to strength. Full grids again this year. I, I was down with uh, the team at Monte Blanco at the weekend and one of the people uh, who was there has now been announced as a GT driver for the British GT campaign, that being one Dan Lloyd. Uh, yes, indeed. I think at Motorbase, is he not? The Oman Race Team is, uh, yeah. with uh, with Dave Bartram. And uh, they're, they're here with actually three Aston Martins, only one of which is actually being run, but looking for a crew to put in a second for Blancpain. And they came here, John, you won't be surprised, on the way back from Monte Blanco. Straight uh, down, so, yeah. Uh, yep, so a few tired eyes there. But, uh, yep, that's great to see. And also, uh, announcement as well at lunchtime today, John, of uh, a very well-known team to uh, Midway Rice Sport listeners uh, joining the British GT Championship for the very first time, and that is Ram Racing will be joining the championship. And with Ram uh, will be Lewis Plato, no relation to either Lewis Hamilton or indeed Jason Plato. Uh, <laughs> very is, good. Very is, good. Is the, a... Uh, ex-radical champion I think, uh, young Lewis and he'll be sharing uh, a Mercedes, not the Mercedes that we saw in Dubai for Ram Racing we'll oh, be seeing okay. that this weekend at 12 Hours of Mugello, which by the way is where I'm driving after testing tomorrow, um, to help you guys out with Radio Le broadcast from there uh, but a second Mercedes-Benz, which is for uh, Lewis Plato and Alistair McKinnon Okay, all good stuff um just uh, looking ahead to the weekend in Mugello then. Not a circuit I've been to before. Uh, Nick Not and, me. Nick and, Nick and Johnny joining you there. It's another split race, the 12 hours of Mugello. Well, I think somewhere north of... Uh, 70 entries now, if I'm not mistaken. Four hours on Friday of a race and then eight hours on Saturday. All live here on RadioLamont.com and the practice and qualifying on Friday morning Which all uh, just uh, runs, as well. Which all runs into everything else, isn't it? It's like practice, practice, qualify, race, and off we go. Um, there is lunch. Thank goodness for that. Yes. It's very brief. Um, oh. Uh, again, though, Graham, a very decent entry for that. And the guys at Cravontic need to be... Uh, uh, heartily congratulated for getting it all together and presenting it in their usual uh, very 
easy to use friendly style uh, with some streaming video uh, we'll have the audio coverage of course all the way through here on RadioLamont.com uh, as well and some decent names at the sharp end of that grid too uh, yeah, as always, uh, you know, they've pulled it out the bag, haven't they? And we're, we're going to see a huge grid, damn them. So I'm going to have to learn that in the car for the six hours we drive between here and uh, I think it's just outside Florence, isn't it, Michelle? And you're right, it's a circuit that I've never seen. I think I'm right that that's the circuit that's uh, got massive praise from some of the Formula One drivers when they tested there back in the day, including Mark Webber, as, as I recall. Uh, so expecting it to be, I think, quite... Uh, you know, an extraordinary experience when we see that. Delighted to hear I'll be joined by the dream team uh, of, uh, was it Nick and Johnny? Yes. Well, if, the dream team, if it's the dream team, you should know who we are. Well, well that was just You don't always no, have your dreams, do you, Nick? No, exactly. No, I, 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 that's a good point. Sometimes I wake up screaming with mine and you never do know you're, you're, you're bad luck with this one. But um, it's, uh, it, I think it is going to be a pretty close uh, for race. Uh, did we have Matt Neal on the programme? We did. Matt Neal was on the programme from his car last week. He's going to be there driving uh, uh, driving a diesel. Uh, uh, but, uh, sorry, yeah, go well, on. Sorry, last year's uh, uh, Dubai 24 Hour winners, the uh, the Stadler Motorsport car, is going to be uh, one of the lead entries there. And, and it's been filling up nicely with some uh, some names that we know. The Scuderia Praha car, we've seen that car too. Matteo Malicelli, uh, late of Rizzi and uh, Ferrari factory driver Matteo, will be there too. Uh, and peppered with some good names got a quite clubby feel to it this entry yeah. but I'm liking that actually uh, the round racing team I know we mentioned a little earlier and that's got a cracking looking squad in that very pretty silver and purple uh, Mercedes Benz with Tom Anselo Cole Adam Christodoulou and Paul White board Pierre Kaffer will be there with the the fantastically uh, titled Black Pearl racing by uh, Rinaldi. That seems to be the kind of car that you'd kind of expect to be speak like a pirate day racing, doesn't it? That's I do quite like that. Doggett Hoysman uh, around. And uh, MRS GT Racing uh, will be there with a Porsche. They're here at uh, Port Ricard, which is one reason why we've got a lot of the JRM crew supporting that pro-class Nissan. But uh, uh, delighted to see Charles Putnam on the list there. And is that Charles's first race since his nasty accident, John? It might well be. I was just, as soon as you mentioned that, I was thinking to myself, is that, he had that big shunt in the Ginetta, didn't he? It was, uh, the, what happened with that? He got a good old bang on the head, as I remember rightly. Mm. Uh, I, I, I'm going to have to go back and check, but I'm pretty certain that it might well be uh, Charles's first proper race uh, since that nasty accident a wee while back. But a fantastic, I mean, I was scrolling down and my finger's getting tired. It's that long an entry list. Um, so, but it's, it really is an absolutely fantastic pack grid. Uh, so that's all this weekend. And watch out on dailysportscard.com tomorrow for some more exclusives uh, coming straight out of Paul Ricard, where, of course, we'll be back the uh, back at the end of March for the WEC prologue uh, as well. And we'll have another couple or three shows from down there for that one. Uh, Graham, I know it's uh, late there with you. Thanks very much for joining us tonight. Unless you've got anything else that you want to feed uh, feed in, I think we can leave it there for a wee while. Uh, no, uh, all I'd say is uh, the Blomper Endurance Series is looking in rude health. We'll mention, we'll have a quick feature later this week, I hope, on a little trip we had after 
the uh, 40-minute press conference conducted entirely in French about you, which you won't <laughs> be reading on DSC, which was into the, the new SRO Technical Centre, which is the Mistral Suite, and uh -oh. a fabulous and very eclectic collection of cars that anybody that loves kind of GT cars in the 90s, uh, there's a couple of little, just a couple of little diamonds in there, including uh, a car that Stefan Rattel has owned since new that formed a big part of actually the SRO Empire, and that was uh, his his very own Gulf-liveried uh, Venturi 400 Trophy. Oh, Quick question okay. before you go, Graham. Tostin. Uh Has uh, this testing been timed, and if so, who was fastest? Uh, yes, it has been timed, and the fastest this morning, from memory, was Peter Cox in the Lamborghini Extenso. Uh, not at all surprising that he was fastest, because uh, the word for the day is sandbag. Uh, with a shadow of a doubt. <laughs> uh, and uh, I've seen comments on Twitter coming in as uh, as I've been kind of chatting to you about the fact that the, the supposedly older Gardo is uh, faster than the uh, the rather newer factory-backed uh, Lamborghini Huracan. Not really a surprise since the Huracan is blessed with factory backing and indeed full driver squad. At the moment, they don't have a customer in endurance for the Gallardo. So, of course, want to prove how quick it is. Whereas, actually, with the Huracan, they want to prove quite the opposite. Yeah. Uh, but uh, there's an awful lot. I think if you were to open the luggage compartment of most of these cars, you're going to find it's full of enough sand to get most people a decent beach holiday. We'll be talking about ballast a little bit more in the second hour of the show. Um... And also, uh, I know that some teams were testing uh, Paul Ricard last week, and uh, Andrea Piccini was the fastest then, so read into that what you will. Graham, thanks for joining us tonight. I know you've got a busy few days. Have a great weekend at Mugello. I'm very, very envious that uh, I can't be down there, but of course, I'll be uh, sitting here uh, listening in on uh, Friday and Saturday for the Creventic FIA uh, Endurance Racing Series, the 12 hours of Mugello. Graham Goodwin of dailysportscard.com. Thank you for the moment. Cheers, good night all. A uh, bit uh, later in Central Europe, so we'll let uh, Graham get away and uh, continue. I was going to say get some rest, but of course he'll be typing everything up. It's Big Wednesday, uh, and it's Midweek Motorsport, uh, Season 10, Episode 11. It's Big Wednesday because we have got our report on Aston Martin uh, after the show tonight, and we'll include this revelation. Who's yeah, this, thanks, and yeah, what he's talking about? What is he talking about? I've been here before. 2013 was great to be asked to drive at Le Mans and yeah I've always kept in touch with a small paddock so you see yeah. each other so we got on well um, I've always been around you know I know the guys here we had a good time in 13 and absolutely absolutely fantastic to be back Midweek Motorsport and if you thought that hour was packed with insights and comments wait till you hear what's next so that's coming up after the show tonight. A little bit of a taster of what is to follow. But coming up in the next hour, more news, more comments from you on Entertainment and at Radio Le Mans. And we'll have from Racer Magazine uh, another chat with the mellifluous tones of Marshall Pro and the rest of them as well, of course. A lot of big news coming out of the States early this week, and we'll go into that uh, in detail uh, with Marshall in the next hour. Graham Goodman, uh, we have bid farewell to. If you're just joining us, don't forget you will be able to hear the podcast as soon as is humanly possible uh, at the end of this show. Nick Damon is still with us for more Formula One and uh, possibly even a bit of bike news uh, later on. And Tim Gray joins me. He is up in London. It's Midweek Motorsports. Sports. 
Sport on RadioLeMond.com. Lotecillas en español. Ole. Por Midweek Motorsport. Bono Estente. You've got to stop taking my line. <laughs> bono Estente, then, uh, to you all. <laughs> Uh, and uh, we need to, before this to do our second where's Nick uh, clue. clue. First, where, where, where... First one was you'd, you've been here before. Been there before. For loads things of times. That, loads of things for things that are quite like the thing you went to but had different things yes. and weren't the things that you went exactly. there for this time. Okay. Can I make this a is... guess before we have a second clue? Yeah, go on. Is, it, no. is, it, is it that shed in Telford? No, no, it's no, not. No, no. But I am no. going there in three. Thank you for that. It's Sunday, live, all Easter. Right. The second clue is: there's lots of scrutineering, but no balance of performance. Oh, okay. Lots of scrutineering, but no balance of performance. Okay. Uh, and another theatre in España. Buenasente. What have you got for us tonight? Nuevo Coq de Seguridad para la Formula One. Ah. Well, I've been in Spain all weekend. The Formula One Circus big. has arrived. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're getting up for Formula One. Ah, that's right. You said mm. there. You go. Mm, dear. Go on. Formula One is Viagra. Go on. El nuevo coque de seguridad GTS que sustituye al SLS GT Alasta Gaviota tiene un motor V8 de 4.1 liters de 510 horsepower que alcanza los 100 100 kilometers an hour. Uh, in 3.8 seconds, Etienne and Velocidad Maxima do 310 kilometres an hour. Well, this is this is very interesting, of course, because this really uh, yes, of course it is. This this is the proposal um, that uh, everybody in uh, the Formula One paddock uh, will be obliged because of Bernie's uh, uh, shrewd business-like. Uh, uh, entrepreneurialism, mm-hmm. they'll be obliged to drive um, a Mercedes-Benz uh, and drink 4.1 litres of wheat beer mm-hmm. uh, every week. No, I think, yeah, you're close, but once again, you've kind of missed a nuance. I did. I? What, what they're saying is Formula 1, all of them wants to drive a Mercedes-Benz. Ah. So much so that one of the teams has bought an SLS, mainly apparently because it has two seats, which solves one of the problems they've just suddenly got. Ah, you're right. Right. I see. Yes, very good. Carry on. Bent Mylander continuava pilotando el coq junto con el copiloto Peter Tibbetts que monitoria la actividad de pista mediante dos iPad y esta en comunicación por radio. Well, obviously... What you heard there, and I'm not going to repeat it because really, even at this time of night, it's wrong. After the 4.1 litres of wheat, wheat beer, people's judgment might be impaired. So they're going to ask them to not race in the cars, but only on a generic tablet device. Well, yes, but I think unfortunately it's worse I don't think you can translate as a generic tablet device. I think, I think it's worse than that, because what they're actually saying is they've got a doctor to do it. So there's a ah. doctor who's going to actually measure using the generic tablet device and a special app, whether they're safe to drive anymore. Ah, okay. I'd like to point out that you're mistranslating this is not a generic tablet device, it's a very much proprietary tablet device. Okay. Well, no, 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 did you not realise that iPad in Spanish translates to a generic tablet device? Exactly. Yeah. It's news in Spanish. If it was in English... If it was actually, if it was the Apple device, it would be an ipad Of course, exactly. Moving on. Ahora tengo muchas ganas de subirme. Start that, we missed the first bit. Ahora... Tengo muchas ganas de subirme a nuevo Mercedes 
que he tenido la suerte de conocer durante la phase de desarrollo. Yeah, this is this unfortunately shows what happens. Everyone's Mercedes, they've all drunk too much beer. They've mm-hmm. got a bit leery. They've been tested. They're not allowed to drive. What do racing drivers of the 70s do? They go off looking for ladies of the night. Right. Uh, the ah, all oh, oh, right, see. I see. I thought so, that was a hoorah. No, what's ba- there's no Star Trek Appreciation Society. No, what, that's what, what I thought. What has happened, basically, is it's turned into a James Hunt 70s-themed party. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're off, really, drinking Which is wheat why... beer... Which is why there's Amaretto in there as well, because I heard the name of a well-known Amaretto brand as well. There. <sighs> oh, my God. That means they're on to the Peratis already. Yes, correct. This this could go on for months. <laughs> Next. Alan van der Merwe, Segura en el Coq Medico, grabando al Dr. Ian Roberts, el coordinador médico de rescate de la FIA, a los lugares donde se produce un incidente. Yeah, it's got out of hand now because Alan van der Merwe has pulled a gun on him. He's got a Lugares, that's yeah, obviously yeah, yeah, a Lugas, and uh, it's, it's got it's got you know, they've got a bit, bit it's got a bit macho. They've, they've got guns pulled. They've got ladies of the night. They've got um, sweet liqueurs. That's just going mad. <laughs> it's the sweet liqueur part that worries that worries me. Any second any, now, any evening with an almond liqueur is always a problem. Any second now, someone's going to get uh, <laughs> so he's going to get glassed with the stem of a champagne glass. Really? No, that's that's that far happened. too far fetched. Talking about it? carry on. Uh, el C63S tiene espas adicional para mm. dos personas del equipo médico y dispone de 490 litros de espacio en el malatero para equipamiento de emergencia, incluyendo un desfibrilador y un respirador. Well, basically, the rest of the story, because at the end of the night, they'd, they'd fill themselves up on wine, women, and song, and uh, uh, almond-based liqueurs. Yes. They got into a taxi, which was in a spas. Yes. Uh, which had, and one of them was sick. They were all sick to a total of 490 litres of sick. One of them needed a defibrillator to get their heart going again. Yep. It's been one hell of a night out there on the Mercedes Appreciation Society. Is that it? That is it, yeah. Thank goodness. Thank, I, I've, I'm feeling a little bilious. Uh, just, <laughs> Does he know? I'm not surprised. <laughs> just, just, uh, just thinking about us. Uh, you're listening to Midweek Motorsport. Don't forget, from next week, if you are going to be late or listening to the podcast, and if you're listening on the podcast now, this includes you, um, then you, uh, we would like you to tweet in before the show with your apologies for absence, please. I will only read out the best ones because I yeah. know there are a lot of podcast downloads and they can't all be by people wanting to listen for a second time. Well, you never know. You never know. Uh, so, uh, it's Midweek Motorsport Series 10, episode 11. Where's that episode 10? A lot of people say now. It's last night. We did tell you. We tweeted. At Specutainment, at Radio Le Mans, at RC Racing. It was all out there. It was our Formula 1 preview special. If you haven't heard it, it's up there for download and right for once, now. And we have an expert. Uh, we did have an expert. We did have an expert, yes. Yeah. Uh, I thought I was very expert. Yes! Yeah, yeah. Uh, shall I play another jingle? Uh, All the news from across the pond. If it happens over there, hear about it here. Midweek Motorsport. And say hello to Marshall Pruitt. Hello, Marshall Pruitt. Hey! <laughs> MP, Marshall Pruitt from Racer.com. Welcome to the show. We've got you on a bit earlier tonight because there's a heck of a lot uh, going on. Um, first, of, we, we're going to get straight to uh, the, the, spend the most time rather on the big story uh, this week. 
um, which is of course uh, ESM and HPD. But I want to have a quick word before we start, MP, about aero kits in Indy. We've been trying to get this in for the last few weeks, and if I don't remember to do it straight away, my senile old brain um, will forget it. Um, you seem to be quite enamoured of the the Honda Indy Aero kit. There's been some fantastically brilliant Photoshop pictures of what looks to me to be some kind of vegetable mandolin, the sort of thing that would grate vegetables very, very thinly indeed. They've gone to town on this one, haven't they, fella? I like Perry McCarthy's description that uh, all those little they're planning on using uh, sh- driver short stature drivers, so that's why they have all the li- the little. Uh, winglets and such those are actually just little step up ramps to get into the car yeah i mean just from a looking at the vehicle uh it's a very impressive looking thing simply from the amount of aerodynamics that have been piled onto it i mean this is uh indycar when they announced aero kits as a concept they were going to adopt back in 2010 most of the language uh if you remember that hindy most of the language they spoke about was branding possibilities it was thought of as a way for different engine manufacturers to make to make custom body kits so you could just visually say that's a Honda that's a Chevy that's a Lotus we assumed we knew or we expected I should say that there would be performance elements integrated into this but without the rules being out and available we didn't know was it just going to be some panels and such uh similar to what we've seen in IMSA or Grand Dam with the Daytona prototypes and their custom bodies, for example, uh, that maybe aren't super performance uh, additive, but definitely you can tell a, a Corvette from a Ford. Well, uh, they, as the rules came out, uh, we definitely found that this transitioned from being thought of as a branding and visual exercise to a 100% engineering based and performance based endeavor. And so, with all that in mind, it's very interesting looking at the Chevy Aero Kit, which, uh, it, at least to me, when you look at it, you see the base Delara, the Delara DW12 chassis the Aero Kit is uh, attached to. That Delara stands out very prominently. Uh, at least for me, when I look at the Honda, you can the you can see a Honda. The elements of the Delara are still there, but frankly, the amount of changes, the amount of differences front to back, to me at least, are great enough to say, wow, that uh, Honda seems to have uh, really decided that if we're going to do this, we're going to change every single thing we possibly could. And if there's a place to stick a wing element, they have stuck it everywhere. I can't wait to see the driver helmets for all the Honda cars. Uh, I'm halfway convinced they're going to be X-wings and other things hanging off of those too, Andy. A fair point just been made by Adrian Michael Reese, um, which is I can't help but looking at the new. Sorry, it's by Ken House. My apologies, Ken. Um, that uh, he said I can't help but see all those aero bits just extending yellow flag periods as corner workers struggle to pick them all up. Yeah, I've, uh, I've read that comment from probably 500 different people, and I guess the the main question I would ask is how is that different from 2014? Mm. When, if you look at the front wing element on the st- stock Delara Road Course and Oval Kit, uh, that also has two wing elements attached to the outer front wing end plates that stand up. And when there has been contact, uh, sp- most often on road, uh, I'm sorry, on street courses, that's the part that's been broken off that sits trackside. So I guess mm-hmm. I would ask, 
how is this new kit any different? The, I, sh- I should say the Honda uh, kit any different? Yes. Because from a construction standpoint, despite the number of additional elements, uh, it's still essentially built in the same way. If you look at the Chevy, now granted, we're talking about the renderings. We're still waiting to see the, what the true exact uh, physical pieces uh, when we get to uh, see them on track. The Chevy is one I'm more concerned about because they at least for what we've seen, they don't really have a true tall stand-up front wing end plate to prohibit a tire or something else from running directly over it. So uh, you can see with the Honda, there's definitely the potential for a side-to-side hit and uh, that yeah. front wing possibly deflecting a bit of that uh, energy. We have seen in Formula One, Nick, have we not, uh, a number of different uh, treatments to the front end of cars. We've mm. had the Platypus, we've had the Walrus. This yep. has got to be the Razor, though, hasn't it, it's, on IndyCar? It is the best a man can get, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> um, Very good. But I think someone said that the, what has happened is that the IndyCar now are getting close to the 2008 F1 cars, which had little winglets everywhere. everywhere. And... The funny thing was, sometimes you'd knock off the tiniest winglet and they go, oh my God, my entire car's ruined. Sometimes they'd lose half a wing and go, oh, it's actually a bit better, actually. And so, you know, it, it, given the propensity for indie cars to come together, which is one of the, especially on the road, uh, the road course, so the street courses, there's going to be a lot of cars running with bits missing. So we'll soon find out which bits actually work and which bits don't. Well, I, I guess the thing is that you always tune for the optimum, but the advantage is if you've got a driver who can drive around, uh, drive around the problems. Uh, the word of the day... MP is data correlation. Why is that? Well, that's in reference to the Honda P2 Coupe problem, mm, and which this is also the... sorry also go feeds. Ahead. No, I was just going to say that's also interrelated to their Aero Kit. Uh, mm. One very uh, very sharp reader asked yesterday, uh, hey, so we've seen on Monday Honda unveiled its purely, it's nothing but aero exercise known as the IndyCar Aero Kit, and the following day we had news that they have uh, pulled their brand new ARX 04B P2 Coupe offline to tend to aerodynamic issues. Are they related? Is Should we expect the same problem from the IndyCar Aero Kit? Mm. Uh, so, yeah, correlation is the word, Hein, and we can delve into uh, that whenever you want. Uh, well, let let's go in. This is the this is the real big story of the week coming out of the U.S. Marshall, you've been chasing it for quite some time, I know. Um, I've spoken to Nick Worth on other matters uh, recently and know how busy those guys have been on the the aero kit uh, for the IndyCar and the the P2. Uh, the LMP2 HPD project. This is worth research, of course, that we're talking about contracted to HPD Honda Performance Development at, at Santa Clarita. So let's just go through the chronology of this first of all, dear listener. As you will remember, because we had them on this show, uh, we had the ESM guys, uh, the Tequila Patron sponsored team. Uh, declaring pretty early that they were going to go for a brand new car for this season, that they were going to do the WEC, subsequently all of the WEC with two cars. And the thought was that they would get to the new car as quickly as possible, despite the very short uh, time to get those cars ready. Uh, Testing uh, at the end of last year was uh, with only one car. The second car was being put together in the pit lane at the Raw before Daytona. And at Daytona, both cars ran, but I think it's safe to say that they didn't really have the performance that the team was looking for. Now, let's fast uh, forward on through all of that lot and bring you up to the 
test that Marshall was at uh, last week when we spoke to him on the show at Sebring when the hoped for improvements, Marshall, just didn't materialize. Did not, unfortunately, Hindy, and maybe winding the clock back. Oh, hold on. Uh, Loke Duvall's here. No, just kidding. Little throwback to last week. Um, Very nice. Thank you for that. How did he get into my house? Um, winding the clock back a little bit, Hindy, to the Roar, even the Rolex 24. Uh, just just speaking, you know, uh, um, among friends and colleagues and such, uh it was clear that there was a bit of head scratching going on. Um, hey, with the O4B, hey, it should be, you know, uh, the computer says we should be achieving A, but we're, you know, we're not necessarily at, at C, but we're definitely at B. We're not quite getting what it says we should be getting. And, uh, you know, that's uh, something you probably heard as well. It, the potential certainly there. We're just struggling a little bit to find out why we can't unlock more of it. So I think there is a reasonable uh, viewing of that of, hey, they haven't had the car for long, limited track testing. Mm. Of course, it's going to be harder to be brilliant first time out uh, because of the limited track time. So I think that th- there was a bit of a, a, f- a fudge factor because of that included in the whole. Understood. Boy, can't quite get to what we thought we would right away, but hmm, give it more time. Well, uh, ESM and Honda spent pretty much the whole of February looking through that, tr- looking through data, l- trying to think of, hey, should we try build this piece, test that, change this? What should we do? Uh, came up with a plan and uh, rolled out, went to... Sebring last week with one coupe and one of the older uh, open top O3Bs, the other coupe, uh, for mm. just for the sake of interest, uh, the reason both coupes weren't there is the other coupe was in the uh, was at Winshear uh, mm. on behalf of IMSA uh, conducting wind tunnel testing uh, demand or requested by the uh, sanctioning body. So the, while on pit lane, it was fairly clear just with you know my background of, of doing that stuff on pit lane myself. It was all hands on deck, Hindy. It mm-hmm. was serious, hard effort from a lot of folks wearing a lot of different shirts, whether it was Honda, Worth, ESM. Um, lots of elbows, lots of parts and pieces coming and off the car, things getting bolted on, things getting cut and taped up just to see if it works. I mean, it's true. Uh, oh, this is was, a, that's a real throwback. That's back to the you know 60s and 70s. An exactly. 80s Formula One with pizzas that were gaffer taped on or, or just fastened on just to give it a try. I, I, even after all that, I heard that the old car was still faster than the new car and and by a, a, a margin that was uh, disappointing. I think that was the, again, I, I'm guessing, but I, I'm fairly confident that is what really drove uh, that ended the conversation on should we continue forward and homologate the O4B for where it's at right now, at least for what I witnessed in person, just standing there observing. uh, There were definitely more questions of how to solve the problem than there appeared to be answers. And there was no lack of effort to try and solve. Understood. so, with all that said, Heidi, you know, there had, uh, speaking with a few folks uh, there at the time, and then subsequently, uh, the the plan was, look, we have, we cannot 
homologate the car, which would, they would would have had to have done this week, just you know, and, call and it the, a week the, after uh, the test. And the reason for that is that there's the same reason that Straka did not want to homologate exactly. their car with issues. They're tied into that for three years. If they had homologated, you are tied into the homologation, therefore you can't change it. It has to have a three-year cycle, notwithstanding the proposals that we know are being uh, discussed. It would basically have tied that car up completely. And clearly they didn't want to do that. At this stage, Marshall, when these conversations were going on, did you get any sense that they actually knew what the problem is? Because if it's something that you could say, like Stracker obviously could, hmm, we found something here. We need to go away, have a think about it, do a bit of a redesign at the back of the car, and once we know we've fixed that, we know the car will be fine. If you don't know what it is, that's that's another worry, isn't it? Exactly, and that's everything that I've been able to divine on my own, and also just a little bit of, you know, input from others on this topic. And the, you know, there were a few comments. Uh shared on pit lane at Sebring that, uh, you know, I could tell that there were, there were some folks who didn't really just did not want to talk. And I don't mean about the car, just in general, that were very, <laughs> just wanted, you know, don't, I don't want to had the look of folks that didn't want to be there. And so I could tell the mood was a little bit dark and some of the comments that were made certainly fit that. And, and fair enough, back to the data correlation comment, mm. Uh, from what I've, you know, from what I, some of the input that I got there and have uh, put together on my own, I, I think we have two things at play here, Heidi, and this draws into both the new P2 Coupe from uh, Honda and also Honda's new Aero Kit. So, uh, Aero Kits, which, you know, the second and final one finally broke cover this week, uh, speaking with some of the drivers who've been involved uh, with that Aero Kits development. I've heard and have known for some time that uh, the real-world numbers says it should be producing, you know, X amount of downforce. It should be doing this. The all the performance figures in the real world uh, have correlated to what uh, the, all of the call it virtual testing has mm -hmm. said, be it either through CFD, computational fluid dynamics simulation, or otherwise. So that, frankly, is all a manufacturer wants it's all a designer wants is if you know the cfd says it should be doing something to this numeric value all they want is to go to the track and see that same number pop up in the real world and you go ah thank you we know we can trust uh, our virtual tools our, our our computer tools and whatever if we make a change in the virtual world and build that part and put it on the car, we have a very strong reason to believe it's going to perform to the degree that the computer says it should. Keep in mind this aero kit uh, has been you know, truly created, fashioned, tested, and then produced uh, in the past year to 18 months. So it is a, a new product using the newest, latest, uh, call it virtual computer uh, production you, tools. Marshall, you keep talking about uh, virtual. Uh, Brian Dawkins has uh, tweeted in uh, to Specutainment just a moment ago. He said, um, is this another uh, case of a CFD-designed car not delivering the projected performance? Are these designs not verified in the wind tunnel? Well, in the past, there has been small-scale wind tunnel models, I know, that have been made by Worth. I know that because I've seen them when I was there uh, for a, a broadcast that we did. But this had such a 
compacted production scale time. I'm I'm not sure that that was done, was it? Well, I can't speak on the wind tunnel side. <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> of the prototype, but I can tell you this, and this is again my. It's an assumption, so I'm not claiming it to be accurate, but I'm just trying to think back logically from a, a you know time standpoint. The AeroKit, all of the virtual tools, all of the simulation and CFD tools, we know that since that is a essentially a brand new creation, that uh, the latest and greatest tools would have been associated with its design in CAD, its use, uh, it, it's everything it's done mm -hmm. in CFD, finite element analysis, latest and greatest. We know for a fact, because they've said it, that the P2 car is, was the original P1 car, which was meant to, which was thought to appear 2010, 2011, possibly, and is basically it, it went away, it's come back, it's morphed, it's changed. I have a fairly strong suspicion, Heidi, that the virtual tools associated with the prototype are not the latest and greatest. I have to believe, knowing it was designed many years ago, test, you know, all of these yeah. uh, CFD and SIM tools uh, would be a little bit more dated. So I'm curious if the lack of data correlation, because that's what I was hearing on pit lane from uh, from some some folks, boy, computer says it should be doing this, and it's not. It's doing something different or not producing uh, the, the figures that we're expecting to see. Part of me is very curious if some of that, if not all of that, uh, discrepancy is tied to call it legacy software or legacy tools. Yeah, good point. Now, the upshot of all of this, that is that the chassis that ASM have got have gone back to HPD for quote-unquote rectification. Um, that is being done uh, right now. That leaves HPD's... Uh, only customer, remember, for that new coupe without cars at the moment. And one presumes then that they will, for Sebring at least MP, go back to their old cars. But they are, let's not forget, gearing up after Sebring to start a WEC programme and go to Le Mans this year. Are they suggesting that they... Um, that they are going to continue to use those old cars through the season, something that Ed Brown and Scott Sharp were uh, fairly certain that they weren't looking forward to doing. Everything I understand, Heidi, says that uh, we will see the open-top HPDs at Sebring. Uh, would expect to see them at Silverstone, and uh, if uh, from a order fulfillment standpoint uh, the the Ligiers that will be uh, replacing HPDs, the team is hoping for those to be in place for them to use by SPA. Keep in mind this decision, this change, I mean, we're talking about it, it's all happened or is happening uh, th now, this week, so in terms of needing two coupes to replace the existing coupes, uh, I don't believe Liget or any modern manufacturer just has a fleet of ready-produced uh, cars sitting and waiting. Few can bear the financial implications. So the the sad part among the many sad parts for ESM is they're rolling with the punches. If you read the quotes from Scott Sharp and otherwise, and I've spoken to Scott directly, um, I mean, of course it's frustrating. 
but they have sh- demonstrated nothing but class while having while enduring the situation, and uh, they're simply having to now place orders for new cars and wait for them to be made, frankly, while the season's kicking off, and that is definitely going to hamper their competitiveness, at least in the early portion of the season. Um, we're not suggesting, or are we, that this is the end for that coupe? I mean, there's two problems that I see here. Clearly, they've got to work quickly to rectify it. They've then got to rebuild confidence in the product. A product, remember, that they hadn't tested in the real world themselves. And one of the reasons that that car was put back and put back was they were waiting for someone to commit to it and not racing it themselves. The other part of that is the 2017 proposals. And HPD can't be a chassis manufacturer and an engine manufacturer, even if there were one of the CCs to be selected and more of that uh, later on by the same token I have heard that certain phone calls have been bouncing around including over here into Europe that HPD have still been looking for customers so where does the O4B stand in terms of the project at least from what I understood late last week uh, when I first spoke with HPD slash Honda about this, uh, the plan going forward to get the cars back, develop them, and then reintroduce them uh, was, you know, there was a need, obviously, to seek uh, a team to work with. Uh, As I mentioned in what I wrote, uh, they do not have a factory team, per se. They can't, you know, uh, go down to the shop and, uh, you know, rally the race team to go head to the track. So, uh, just knowing how heavily they rely on Andretti Autosport in IndyCar, um, and uh, Andretti Autosport uh, has conducted all of Honda's IndyCar Aero Kit testing, uh, yeah. it would be a surprise if they went to another one of their uh, factory-associated teams. But as I also mentioned, uh, the Schmidt-Peterson uh, Motorsports Honda-powered IndyCar team has also expressed a great desire to uh, represent uh, Honda in sports car racing with prototypes, and I won't—I'll uh, leave the team's name out right now. But I've also heard from another team that uh, is keenly interested in helping Honda in uh, an IMSA team, I should say, keenly interested in helping Honda to uh, fix whatever needs to be fixed with the O4B, and then go put that car into competition. So, uh, if uh, I've admittedly after I mean I wrote the story last week and and waited uh we put that out I think yesterday I haven't broached the subject uh this week and just trying to give them a little bit of breathing space but to be honest uh, there are definitely a few follow up questions I need to ask and uh that's one of the big ones have you made that decision are you going to tab a team to handle all of this for you and the final portion Heidi is uh, from the other thing that I'd heard uh, provided all that happens they go test they spend time in the wind tunnel not uh, necessarily virtual tunnel but real tunnel um, provide go and do all of that then conduct track testing to confirm everything works properly uh, potentially that team uh, whichever one they do nominate would then field the car on Honda's behalf late in the year really is a showcase uh, hey, and that goes quick buy it let's go racing next year and that's uh, for my for my money that's what they should have done in in the first place and I, and I'm not saying anything behind anybody's back I've said that before in this program uh, and one of the reasons I think that uh, um, people get issues about getting people to drive uh, chassis manufacturers get uh, issues about getting people to buy in uh, literally is is if they can't show something 
in the real world it's all very well having it on a screen but most people like to see something something moving uh, and maybe that's been the the issue here i've got to i've got to ask the question that the the listeners are asking here um this is not the first time that the uh, worth uh, design guys have um made some kind of mistake on cfd we remember nick i think uh hmm. the the formula one effort that had the wrong size fuel tank yeah that was the uh, the original uh, manor car they made nick's made um some bold statements about the validity of cfd and how the old-fashioned way of doing it with wind tunnels is a silly idea um the fact is that he's been found out on three or four separate occasions and there's no substitute for practically finding out what actually happened. Mm. Real-world testing. Um, Data correlation, as we said. Uh, but, you know, on. we all love Nick, though, in fairness. Oh, no, I love Nick. I love him the bits, and he's one of the best person to spend time. He does have the brain a brain the size of the planet. The, the other thing, Marshall, that is being asked, and uh, I suppose this is re- reasonable, um, we, we'll have to speculate a little bit on this because we don't know the nature of the business between ESM and HPD, whether ESM were effectively a work-supported team and were running the chassis either had rented them and bought them or they were getting some support uh, whether they will be getting in that case money back to go and do something else what do we know about the business side of things or is it just too early to talk about that well I've went back and looked just to make sure and if you look at the language in the announcement of their partnership I mean their you know the language was purchased bought etc so mm-hmm. it was fairly clearly stated that the money changed hands to put the you know to bring these coupes to life and to receive them and you know just one other quick addendum is so it's not just the cars right it's the we need two spare noses or we need this and that and the kit and the, this piece there's a lot that goes into fielding a uh, modern prototype beyond the car that goes around the track so a lot of money invested i can't tell you hindy whether you know how exactly things went down and for what parts and pieces was it wholesale every single thing you've ever purchased uh, you're getting your <laughs> money back on i can tell you that it would be how's this it would be reasonable to assume that uh, knowing ESM will continue to use Honda engines with uh, the Liget uh, coupes, uh, I do not think anyone, including Honda, would expect uh, Scott Sharp and Ed Brown to swallow the uh, price of two non-homologated uh, coupes and then go spend money to buy two more that are homologated so uh, whether you want to describe it as a refund or however else I think the the takeaway is ESM uh, will not have ended up uh, expending money for four coupes two of them uh, two of which uh, they they're only able to use yeah and of course of course and I'll bring Nick back in on, on this as well there will be all kinds of conspiracy stories mm. floating around, given what we've I've been reporting. I've read report- some of them. I've yeah, read well, <laughs> it, it's, it's bound to happen, Marshall. We've been reporting about the new 2017 proposals. Um, I can tell you that I've been told quite categorically who the four 
chassis manufacturers are, and HPD isn't one of them. Um, a, a number of people uh, over the last week or so have told me there's a decision being made on that. Now, how that can possibly happen, even notwithstanding what uh, Hugh Deshonak said to us uh, last week about being in, involved, um, I, I don't see how that can have happened if the tender process hasn't started yet. Uh, the the big question is here, um, is there something more sinister or more clever underlying this, Nick, in that, um, you know, Nick, as, as, as I do, Nick Worth, as I do, HPD have no future in P2. Are they looking towards towards P1? I, I, I'm not, we keep hearing about Honda wanting to come and do Le Mans, but every time I've heard that, I've been told it would categorically come from Japan and, and not from the States. No, I think this one is a, unfortunately, another catalogue in the um, problems that have been had in the, and it's not uniquely um, a Nick Worth issue. It's happened with every team with the correlation, as the word of the day is data correlation, the CFD to real life, and it happens a lot. You know, CFD has this kind of um, attraction, and of course it's much, much cheaper than wind tunnel time. You just need mm. to have processing computers, and they can go off and do their processing, and they can do these whole things, and it's great. Um, we are still a little bit behind the eight ball as far as getting it absolutely right. These problems carry on happening, um, and I don't think it's any Machiavellian at all. I think it's just the, the fact they've hit a brick wall in Honda, and the fact they've got to homologate, and they don't want to homologate a car that's wrong. Uh, the... I, I would just quickly correct the, the point, Nick, that CFD is not cheaper than a wind tunnel because the, <laughs> the, 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 the amount of PhD level staff you need to hire to model and run those far surpasses anything you'll spend at a wind tunnel. So I'm not trying to be argumentative, just the point being is the software might not be the, exp- the expensive part, but the staff to make use of it, that has sent costs skyrocketing in every form of motor racing where it's used. I, I and And what... What's your thought then, MP, on, you know, this is just a clever way of of getting out of the P2 business and, and getting into P1? I can tell you that anybody who believes that is the case, I wish they could have been at Sebring with me last week. And uh, despite the beautiful sun overhead, there were some very dark clouds over that <laughs> small section uh, over... ESM on pit lane. Uh, this was not a happy crowd, a happy bunch. And then speaking with various other folks affiliated, I shouldn't say various, but spoken, speaking with the folks at Honda last week uh, when I was down at HPD, I mean, this is not something, this is not a positive, this isn't a Trojan horse move to unveil something else in the future. This is something that is a massive, massive blow uh, that they are trying to recover from as quickly as possible. And in terms of going P1, I would just say that with the added expense of aero kits in IndyCar on top of Honda's engines, with the move, the expansion uh, into bigger and more expensive cars in Pirelli World Challenge, and now a Formula One program, seeing Honda then add a P1 program in the next year or two, I mean, they'd have to double their global vehicle sales to support that kind of P1, uh, I'm sorry, LMP1, Formula One, <laughs> IndyCar, yeah. uh, what, Blank Pass, or not Blank Pass, I'm sorry, but, you know, uh, Super G, uh, I think Super that GT, would be yeah. crazy to think that's the case. And, and in fairness, there have been a lot of changes at the top level of uh, Honda Motor Company recently, and they aren't performing, they're behind on their 
on their streetcar model cycles. Carol Brink pointing all of that out on Twitter. Thanks, Carol. Uh, hope Monterey Bay is looking as beautiful as ever at this uh, time of the day uh, for you. Um, I, 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 by the way, Brian Dawkins, among many others, uh, pointing out that the Nick Perrin problem um, with the Pescarolo made from the AMR1 tub, um, not a Nick Worth or a Worth uh, designs issue there, but that was another one, was it not Nick Damon, that was a CFD project only, and, and yeah. it did not bear fruit. Yeah, I think the problem is that the wind is very complicated. Air is complicated, so it's much, much better to be able to see the air like Adrian Newey is, rather than having to, as Marshall says, employ PhD Adrian graduates Newey, to do Adrian it. Newey commands the air. He commands he the air. I mean, the thing is, the problem is, if we, we can all sit down and we can work out that air travelling in a straight line to the front of the car is relatively easy to model. But then you add pitch and yaw, then you add the temperature gradients, even in those uh, bottom foot of the foot of the uh, air. And the other problem also, is, I think Marshall will confirm this, but the boundary layer of air doesn't actually work a way which can currently be modelled. The bottom three inches of air, and I've been told, don't actually work as air should do. Well, I, I mean, I can't say that in a definitive way simply because there's no such thing as a CFD package. Right. Uh, if it was a universal tool, then we could make, you know, as for what various Formula One teams, uh, sports car teams or otherwise are, are able to do or have been able to uh, threshold and been able to cross. I can't really speak on that. Um Question from Where Rabbit. Nice to hear Where Rabbit's uh, live tonight as well. Uh, this is going back. The LMP2 story will keep across. And uh, as I say, I know that uh, uh, even as of the the weekend, as Marshall was uh, researching the story, there was telephone calls bouncing backwards and forwards to people in Europe to see if they'd be interested in developing the car, um, the HPD chassis, once it's been sorted out. Uh, so we'll, we'll keep across that for you. Um, this is from Where Rabbit about the P the uh, IndyCar uh, kit. Um, what's the situation, Marshall, about the, the aero kits in Indy? How long are they homologated for? Can you change them as needed, whether it's Honda or Chevrolet? been some very recent changes to that hindy so originally uh they well granted a homologated yes but uh aero kit manufacturers were allowed to make changes to one item within three zones that are defined on the car and so that was something that frankly they could do not well they had to have the their designs in by i believe was january 18th uh, for homologation but in terms of the three regions they could modify throughout the three modifications they could do on the regions throughout the car, they could actually do that starting at the first race of the year if they wanted. Well, mm. that was recently changed and amended, moving that back to 2016. So for what is uh, starting to hit the track later this week in private testing and what we'll, uh, what I'll be there for Monday, Tuesday at Barber Motorsports Park for uh, IndyCar spring training, those kits, road course slash street oval, or I'm sorry, road course and short oval, plus the uh, speedway kits, no changes to those whatsoever in 2015. The bits supplied by Honda and Chevy, Chevy, that's all teams can use. When we get to 2016, uh, those three changes can be made throughout the year, plus some other minor, uh, minor areas can be modified. That price 
the base arrow kit costs $75,000 per kit this year. Next year, uh, separate from the three uh, individual changes that could be made throughout the season, manufacturers are allowed to do modest updates, and that costs a maximum of $15,000. Yeah, all good stuff. Marshall, uh, brilliant, brilliant stuff. Uh, excellent work on the story. If you want to catch up on the timeline and everything else, racer.com uh, and MP has all of the details on that. Great to have you on and be able to dedicate uh, a decent amount of time to that story. Marshall Pro from racer.com. Thanks very much, buddy. Thanks, mate. Great stuff, that, Nick. Uh, and it's a story that's going to run, isn't it? It really I, is. No, I think it's a... Uh, um... There's two things in there, but both the arrow kits will be interesting which one does uh, uh, better. And you have to say, looking at it visually, you think the Honda's better, but they've had a bit of a bad week. Uh, and once again, the whole you know, CFD against the real world argument. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's just after a quarter to ten. Coming up after midweek motorsport, it's Big Wednesday. Some more listening for you. Uh, and we will have uh, our report from pre-season testing down at Monteblanco uh, with V8 and V12 Aston Martins aplenty. Uh, and also, um, have we got time to play that clip again, Nick, uh, Tim, rather, just to uh, remind everybody? Oh, I've got my third clue. Oh, I'm I? sure we can do. I just need to press that button. Yeah, thanks. It's great to be back. I've been here before. 2013 was great to be asked to drive at Le Mans. And, yeah, I've always kept in touch. It's a small paddock, so you see each other. So we got on well. Um, I've always been around, you know, I know the guys here. We had a good time in 13. And absolutely, absolutely fantastic to be back. Uh, So find out who that was and what he was talking about in our next programme tonight. Obviously, it's got something to do with Aston. Has it? Yes. Really? Yes. Can it be third clue? The voice Uh, is very familiar as well. It's not Alan Shearer. I know a few Some people have said. It's just no one in the North East Mafia. <laughs> I thought it was Joe Bradley. Oh, oh, very close. Very close. Joe. S- similar hair. No, Joe actually, doesn't have any true. hair. Ah, well, there ah. you go. Third, uh, third question. Right, so we've had third, the, uh, clue, rather. the confused first one. Right, so you went to a place at the weekend. Nobody's got anything. I know, it's tweeting, good this. Has anything at all? I no, had nothing, a no. open university, someone guessed. Yes, exactly. Uh, so it's some, somewhere that you've been to before. For different things. For lots of different things, uh, at lots of different times, but never for what you went for this weekend. Although is it a department they were store? Similar. It's <laughs> not a department store. And the second clue was? There is lots of scrutineering, yep. but no balance of performance. And it's... A Third c- clue, then. Boys and girls compete separately, then against each other. But oh. there's also a prize for best child. Yes, very good, very mm. good. So, the sexes compete in their own categories mm-hmm. and then against each other, boys and girls, and there's a prize for best child as well. Okay, uh, at Specutainment, at Radio Le Mans, uh, let's see if you can get We might even have a prize for this. Mm. Um, if we and, get a winner in the next 11 minutes. Yeah, absolutely. And don't forget, if you are listening on the podcast now, or live, and you can't listen to next week's show live, we want, before the show starts, please, uh, your tweets uh, in the hour before the show for your um, apologies for absence and uh, the, the best ones the best ones will get mentioned in the housekeeping part at the top of the show right 10 minutes to go what have you got I've got a couple of sports car things but let's uh, rattle through a couple of other well, bits and pieces the week after Le Mans 
If you didn't fancy going to Spielberg for the Formula One Grand Prix of Austria... Well, mm-hmm. why would you not want to go there? Beautiful and you place. didn't fancy Love going to, to go Paul Ricard for the Blanc mm-hmm. Endurance Series, yeah. which is on the Saturday. Mm-hmm. You could go to Oliver's Mount. Which always sounds vaguely... Rude. So, yes. <laughs> sounds rude. Don't <laughs> about this. It's Carry On Midweek Motorsports <laughs> this exactly week from it. Oliver's Mount. Hey! <laughs> Oliver's Mount is a public park in Yorkshire that has... Uh, uh, a race circuit. But it doesn't. It doesn't have They're a race circuit. They're just running around the, the tracks, aren't they? The, the park Basically, roads. the paths, the paths which are about... Foot wide. 15 feet wide. Possibly a little bit wider. They are wide as one car and a half. And they race motorcycles around there. I've done rallies do. around there. I have done stage rallying around there. It's The, the topography is quite interesting. There's a lot of uppy-downy. Ah. And there's a lot of tighty, lefty, righty. Is really? And there's some very quick... <laughs> Uh, lefty, uh, with only trees and bushes between you and spectators on the rest of the world. It's and they don't just do it as time trials. They do race grids of bike off off here. It's brilliantly bonkers, and it's exactly the sort of hairbrained stuff that you expect road racers to do. And it is an absolute jewel in the crown of Stupidity. of of road <laughs> racing. Well, if you think of things like the Northwest 200. And, and the Isle of Man oh, TT. The difference is, when they when they fall off and hit the tree, they're not doing 200 miles now, they're just doing about 60, because it's so tight and twisty. Well, I know, they, they get well over 100, mate. Um, let's, when's that, did you say, Tim? I haven't told you what it is. Right, go on then. Uh, so, June the 20th and 21st, mm-hmm. uh, is the Barry Sheen Festival. It's the no, week it's after Le Mans. All right, no. Yeah, it's the week after Le Mans. Mons 13th and 14th. Okay, carry on. Cheers, uh, John. The Barry Sheen Festival. Right, excellent. If it isn't uh, the week ending the 13th and 14th, then uh, we'll be bringing you uh, uh, seven days of coverage of not very much happening <laughs> in, uh, <laughs> in France. Okay. Uh, a selection of Sheen's race bikes will be on display, as well as a number of other vintage Suzuki's. Remember that uh, Barry Sheen won two world championships on Suzuki's. Yes, he did. Uh this is an event that's... Uh, I, I did see a great programme on the BBC and it might well be on the iPlayer uh, and it might even be available to some people who, who aren't in the UK of uh, uh, Vic Reeves riding one of uh, Barry Sheen's oh, yeah, yeah. old bikes yeah, that was, was a restored. Kind of a, a hero's thing, wasn't there? Uh, specially, and he rode it around at, uh, at Oliver's Mount. And I think that was... There was quite a lot of Sheen's bikes for that and I think that was kind of... It's, it's been kind of uh, expanding... Um, brilliant, brilliant idea. Um, and I just wish I was around to see it. You are. I'm not. I'll be at Le Mans. It's you won't be, unless you you're staying be. for a week after the race is finished. <laughs> All right, I'll be going somewhere else. <laughs> You'll be having a week off before you head off to Watkins a week, Glen. A week off. We don't have weeks off. We have weekends where there are no events we don't have weeks off okay uh got some guesses coming in for where's nick um carol brink says was nick at another water dance event synchronized swimming yeah no no okay um tennis tournament says andrew no no um i can't imagine nick at a tennis tournament well watching not playing i want a synchronized swimming tournament as well 
And is there anything else here? Uh, no, right, okay. No. So who we have got a winner. Amp. Amp. Eight, 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 eight. We'll mention, oh. Do we want to mention the results uh, yet? Well, we've got, we've got a winner. We've got a winner. We've got a winner. Okay. We've got to find a prize for them. Um, something that Nick brought back from this in a small blue bag. Um, and it won't be smelly at all by the time it got to you. Uh, he was at Crufts, the world's biggest dog show. Brilliant. Well, uh, Tim and I, of course, have worked that. Event I know. I'm very, past. I'm very upset that we didn't get together. Who were in a, in, a, in a radio sort of way to laugh. I that gig loved stopped. it. I know. I'd I loved, loved that. I'd love to done some uh, pit lane reporting from the ring. I, I did that. <laughs> oh, she's gone for the bitch. That's a shocker. <laughs> I think um, you find that I never actually went there. I did all my bits of it uh, remotely beforehand. in London. Yeah, or beforehand. That's true. I just pointed out also, I, d- I wasn't there with cubes of meat. No. No, <laughs> you were there with your daughter. I was. We had a lovely time. Um, but did she poison anyone? No. Did you um, <laughs> Did you make any any friends there? Did you want I to take anything home? I had a lovely home? time. I, I, you know, again, not, not doing an awful lot of good for my, uh, my reputation. Uh, I've got a bit of a thing about Daxons. Ah, let's you move like a small, on. You like a large the... sausage? <laughs> hey, dog. what's got into you today? <laughs> there, there is some motor racing still to talk about. Because I mentioned yeah, earlier on, on uh, <laughs> when we were talking about ballast, that uh, mm. we'd return to that. Uh, because uh, the number 51 team in the NASCAR Sprint Cup Series has been penalised for a post-race rules infraction discovery at Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is a car driven by Justin Algaier. Uh, And uh, they've uh, decided that he's guilty of uh, Article 12.1, which is actions detrimental to stock car racing, 20.3.5, which is added ballast containers, and 20.17.2.2, which is overall vehicle weight. Uh, Mm. And it appears that uh, they were putting ballast in places that it shouldn't have been, and that said ballast fell off during the race, uh, and therefore uh, the car was underweight after the race. Right. Mm. Uh, so it's the, just basically just they're just copying F1 from 30 years ago. The copying NASCAR from uh, Last Tuesday. 30 years ago. Uh, the crew chief's been fined $25,000. And while we're talking about uh, NASCAR uh, infractions... Back on February the 20th, if I can take you back... Please do. uh, Three weeks or so, uh, NASCAR suspended Kurt Busch. Yes. Yes. By his ankles, I think, wasn't it? Uh, That's what she was doing to him. Oh, right, okay, sorry. For actions detrimental to stock car racing, Mm. um, based on the nature of findings and conclusions made by the Commissioner of the Family Court of the State of Delaware. Mm. What did Delaware, boy? Stop. Sorry. Uh, The following day... Brand new Jersey. Uh, Kurt Busch appealed against this to the National Motorsport Appeals Panel, mm-hmm. uh, which consisted of Lynn St. James, mm-hmm. Kevin Whitaker, who appears to be a car dealer from Florida, mm-hmm. and Paul Brooks. Right. Uh, and they said uh, that the appellant had violated the rules set forth in the penalty notice and therefore upheld the original penalty. So later the same day, and that evening, in fact, the evening of the 21st, he appealed to the National Motorsports Final Appeals Officer, one Brian Moss. Right. Uh, a lot of people are getting paid just to hang around being appealing, isn't it? I think so. Um, 
he represented uh, himself. NASCAR was represented by Jim Cassidy. Uh, and Brian Moss uh, made the following decisions. The appellant violated the rules. The decision of the National Motorsport Appeals Panel was correct. The penalty was in the scope of the guidelines. And the original penalty is upheld. Right. OK, and now he's off again. On March the 5th... Uh, yeah... NASCAR issued a statement saying NASCAR is aware of the Delaware Department of Justice announcement today regarding Kurt Busch. As we disclosed, he's accepted the terms and conditions of a reinstatement program and is actively participating in the program. His eligibility for reinstatement will continue to be governed by that program and the NASCAR rulebook through the elimination of the possibility of criminal charges certainly removes a significant impediment to his reinstatement. So he's not being charged with uh, anything um, anymore. Uh, And finally today, they've lifted his suspension... Uh, yeah, and he's he, allowed to drive, but he is uh, still um, a bit straight on probation uh, forever. Forever, yes, that was the thing that I thought was quite interesting. Um, but he has thanked everybody and thanked uh, NASCAR for how their internal um, forgiveness program or whatever it's called. <laughs> so it's called it's something like that rehabilitation. <laughs> I love the internal forgiveness it, program. It, it's <laughs> it, it's like the Truth and Reconciliation <laughs> Commission yeah. in uh, in South Africa. Um, it's that sort of it's thing. The reinstatement program. There you go. Uh, um, which includes mandatory behavioural assessment sessions and a behavioural health care expert who conducts those sessions. Uh, Great Dane says the four CC manufacturers that we're talking about earlier on P2, Oric, Oak, Delara and Riley, well that's three out of four that you've got there, you can work the rest out, uh, and the engine manufacturer um, VAG's Redundant World Engine says uh, Sorry, Great which Dane. which one did he say? He said, oh, I've got to go back up again now, Oric, Oak, Delara and Riley. Knees and toes, knees and toes. Mm-hmm. Is that not four out of four? No, that's uh, three out of four Delara, from what I've been told. I think Delara is one. Right, that's three out of four from what I've been told. Um, the um, now let me just scroll back down again. Um, Kevin Payne said, "Air does what air's supposed to do. It's just not." Air will always behave as air should, he says. It's just not how we think it should behave, which I think is very good. Do you That's think one NASCAR of those... can put air on a uh, behavioural uh, re- <laughs> re-association policy uh, so and have an air behaviourist chatting to air? It's not all air, of course, because then you'd be stereotyping air. Oh, good point. Right? Yeah. So it's only it, it's three all, inches. It's only the boundary layer air. Mm. It's only those outliers who aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. Outlier air outlier needs air. to be taken <laughs> through the truth That's and reconciliation. Truth and Reconciliation Committee. Uh, that is about it for this evening. Thank you very much. Stay tuned for our Aston Martin pre-season test, which includes uh, the answer to that clip that we heard earlier on. One or two of you saying, was that Rick, Vic Reeves? No, 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 he's got a completely different accent. Was it Kurt Busch? At, at it wasn't Kurt Busch either. You'll have to listen all the way to the end to find out what it was. It's uh, someone returning to drive for Aston Man. Oh, and also, we reveal the new liveries. The new liveries of the GT3 cars, uh, the GTE uh, cars, excuse me, the works cars, are being revealed on the radio programme. Brilliant. But, yeah. If you look very carefully when I'm talking in the That's pit fantastic. lane, you can you can just hear them. If you listen very carefully, you can hear the new liveries. That one sounds more green than the last Just year. behind, yeah. 
That's right. Uh, that was and midweek motorsport. You go hard of hearing. There will be subtitles. That, that, of course, yes, of course. That was midweek motorsport season ten, episode eleven. Uh, thanks to everyone who took part. Don't forget the F1 program is there to be downloaded if you missed it last night. And it's Aston Martin next. The responsible adult has been looking after us all. The pasta carbonara tonight was fantastic. Oh yes. And thanks to Nick, Tim. Graham and Marshall Pro and to Sam Collins as well who's uh, been tweeting in and for his uh, fantastic bits and pieces on last night's show. Uh, there's no time to explain we'll be back next week at 8 o'clock when I'll be not here and Nick will be not here either but Tim will be where he is and the llama is off to go and wind test <laughs> This program is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLamont.com.